Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is great to be here after a Bears victory. It is great. We are the the Bears won twenty points at thirteen. We got to see a lot of Justin Fields. We got to see the defense get a couple of takeaways. It's great to have some of our guys here. It's great to have some of you guys in the comments. We had one very early, a couple of minutes before we even came on from one of the great members of the show, Bruja. So, Bruja. so that was fun. Lots of work to do for sure. And for the love of Hallis, cut wins, please. We <laughs> yeah. have we have John Absolutely. John also in the comments saying yes, cut wins. Look, it is great. Guys, make sure that you head over onto YouTube. Make sure you do. Come join in the show. Make sure you put your comments in. Make sure that you subscribe. Get all all your questions in, all your thoughts, because there's a lot to break down here in the first game of the season, and that's the best part of it. And Anthony, it's it's great to have you. We didn't have you yesterday on the show, but look, it's just good to be able to dissect the Bears game. Ah, oh, look, isn't it brilliant? I woke up this morning and I saw the photos and I got the videos out and I was ready to get going. Got the jersey on, had my little kid in his Mac jersey. It was just fantastic. It's it's there's nothing, it's something special about getting ready for Bears Day. And look, it, it, it kind of gave us a bit of a scare earlier on. But look, it's preseason. It was great to see it. It proved my point that Wim shouldn't even be in Chicago, let alone on the field. Uh, it also, and I've got to say this right now, it was also hilarious that Nick Foles got booed through the whole fourth quarter. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. And anyone that was doing the booing got my full support from Ireland. Um, yeah, look, it was fantastic. It was great. It was great. Loads to talk about. We look forward to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, it's always good being able to talk about the Bears, but just the fact that Pretty much a lot of what we wanted to see out there, we, we got to see. It was a little bit worrying in, in kind of the first half, but again, you got to see some of the better points of it later on. Um, But yeah, look, we have a couple of guys here on, I think there's a, lot, a couple of them that are in on Periscope. Make sure you get over onto YouTube again. Make sure that you do subscribe over there and get your comments in, get your questions in, because there's a lot to be able to talk about. Um, No, we were just talking yesterday in our show and, we're just saying how interesting this game was going to be for many different facets. And like, before we get to Justin Fields, though, what I want to talk about is, I guess, the first team, because that's the important thing, because there's going to be a lot of people talking now after this game, obviously, that Justin Fields is going to need more reps at the first team offense, because to say the least, it was dire out there in that first two quarters, because you saw nothing. There was no imagination. Obviously, look, vanilla preseason's normal. But one thing that one like Scott has said, and Scott's actually in the comments, even though he's at he was at the game. Um, but what he was saying was just the fact that they couldn't even do the simple things right on offense in the first half. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, it was great to see Fields out there today. But I think one thing that did shine true is. I mean, there are some receivers there. Williams has been mentioned already that just shouldn't be there. I mean, there were times when Fields was making throws. And, I mean, to some people on Twitter, they were kind of saying, oh, bad throw, bad throw. But you're kind of like, well, well no. If you had a fourth-choice wide receiver there, that's a catch. You know, he was making some good throws. There were receivers weren't getting open. They, they weren't giving him the options to really, you know, allow him to make those throws. But in saying that, look, it's preseason and, and that's what it's for because you find these things out about players and, you know, you, you judge them from there. So all in all, I think it's 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 a positive game. There, there are a fair few positives I took from it. So look, two more games and that's where you weed these play, players out and see who really should be there and who shouldn't. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's definitely an interesting one. Look, we have a couple of, of comments here. Chad, who's been in the chat recently, so first half equals brutal. I completely agree. It was it was hard to watch in that first half. And look, <laughs> this one is kind of what everybody's feeling right now. Justin feels the goat. Even LeBron James thinks he's the goat. That's that's the way it's working out. Look, Tony, we will kind of go through because I I took my own notes in terms of the maybe the starters because as you get further into the game, a lot of the guys don't really matter because there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be making this team. But what did what was your I guess initial reactions as that kind of first two quarters were were happening both on offense and on defense? My initial reaction was, um, oh my god, it's the Bears again. It's the same Bears from last year. You know, we're going the first half. We're not giving up loads of points, but we're not scoring any points either. Defense is looking good. Offense, no one knows what's happening with them. It's taking a while to get it going. And then the second half, they've obviously made some adjustments and. You know they've come out and and, uh, and and Fields has been able to kind of open things up a wee bit. He's been given the go ahead. Uh, I think at the start we were throwing those kind of short slants and um, kind of screen passes and things like that, and they just weren't working out. Um, but you know adjustments were made at halftime and fair play. You know Nagy called a couple of plays in the game there, which were you know especially the the touchdown to, to James um, in the second half. Great call. So. You know, it just shows you that the potential's there and it's just a case of actually doing it uh, in the first half as well as the second half. Yeah, look, one of the one of the thoughts that I, I did have in terms of that uh, first half and, and Scott, who's, who's uh, one of our co-hosts is on YouTube, um, my opinion on offense, so he was at the game, so LeChavis Simmons and Alex Bars are a problem if they have to man up on the right side of the offensive line. Look, I think we, can, we all agree with that. Like, hopefully Jermaine Effetti and... James Daniels will be there once the regular season starts. But to be honest, right now it, it's fine. Um, get the get those guys a little bit of reps. Like one of the things that I took from it is in terms of in the broadcast, which they mentioned for and very much so for Lechavia Simmons is he he was one of those rookies last year where he didn't get any of these games and didn't get any reps. So it's very hard for a guy to improve when you have like what is it a week or two of training camp and then. You're in the practice squad for the rest of the season, pretty much. I know you played a little bit against the Titans, but that's pretty much it. So it, it is important that we get kind of some of these guys. Um, guys, make sure you get your comments in. This is a another one from AS. So what do you guys think Justin will say in his Hall of Fame speech? Yeah, I'd say a lot of it will be uh, <laughs> it will be a, an interesting one when we see kind of going forward. One of the I'm just kind of looking as this is going on that. I think it's Rodney Adams was doing his his interviews and he said that Justin Fields is a natural leader and that they're all behind him. And it's it's just good to to see kind of some of these guys kind of talking about Justin Fields the way we kind of talk about him. And like I know we're in our we're in our little bubble because we're diehard Bears fans, but it's really good to see some of the players that are are seeing that. Um look before we do get into a lot of the stuff that happened in the game, I do want to mention um the fact that the Bears have just signed Jason Peters. So 39-year-old left tackle. Um, again, I think it's very important. Depth piece, look, we don't have anybody really to play left tackle right now until some guys come back, exactly like Scott says here. So what about the Jason Peters signing? He's coming to play left tackle. Look, I think what Jason Peters does, it means you don't have to rush Tevin Jenkins and you bring him back in whenever he's ready. Because, look, we all know 
back injuries are hard when it's not a like a broken bone because it can take a it can take a while. Yeah, look, like you say here, Welsh Wizard four D. So Peters adds depth on the O line. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure that you come over onto YouTube. You follow us here as well. Get your comments in. Make sure you subscribe. It's really important to us. Um, Chubbs is in in the comments as well. So a lot of people um kind of talk about Justin Fields starting week one. But what I want to do is I do want to go through the, I guess, the starting offense and the starting defense. I'm just going to go through some of the notes that kind of I was taking down as I was as I was looking. And look, there's not too much on the offensive side of the ball to really take out of it. Um, like One big thing that I would take out of the offense, and it's another negative actually, is David Montgomery had one run and came off injured. Um, don't know exactly what it is because – it wasn't very obvious on the play, um, but the fact that he came off straight away, again, on that play, the blocking was still powered by the offensive line because he had to cut and change directions, and I, I don't know if it's that, but then you saw Damien Williams come in. I thought he was very active. He, he played quite well, um, but it's the defense, and this is where I want to bring you in, Anthony. There's a couple of names that I kind of was constantly writing down in the first quarter. Number one, Akeem Hicks. He was in on a lot of tackles for losses. He was coming in, putting a lot of pressure, a lot of penetration. Alec Ogletree, probably one of the best players that was on, on the field today in terms of the defensive side of the ball. He was everywhere. I know he got kind of caught for, what was it, that 50-yard um, reception. Um, very interesting. Actually, one thing before I kind of go on, what Scott says here with Peter Stein, who's going to get cut because there has to be a corresponding move. So that'll be one we will talk about a bit later in the show um some of the other names robert quinn i thought he had a quite productive kind of two or three series that he was in there he got doubled a couple of times um he got yeah so he got doubled a couple of times and he still got penetration i thought mario edwards jr played well when he came in but one of the guys that i was i was really impressed with in the first two quarters and he actually got taken out very quickly after that was Kyrie's Tonga. I thought he had an excellent start to the game. He set up Alec Ogletree to be able to make that very clean hit to stop the Dolphins from scoring a touchdown that in the early first quarter. So with that, Anthony, when you were looking at that first quarter, first, second quarter, when we kind of saw more of the starters in, I know the likes of Jalen Johnson went out pretty early in, into the second half. Um, but what did you what did you see from both defense and offense? I think what I saw was that the draft class looks good. <laughs> I think that's what it, it showed. Um, like Tonga, Tonga definitely gave like Ogletree owes him a point because he just made Ogletree's hit look even better than it was because he just created a hole for him to do so. I think Tonga could really be a sleeper the way that people are talking about. It. He just looked he looked he looked way better than a lot of other people kind of around him made him like he made himself look really really high standard without having to depend on other people around him is what I mean to say. Um yeah Ogletree, Ogletree was was one that stood out to me. I think the one the one missed down the sideline, yeah, okay, that happens. But other than that he seemed to be ball hawking. There was one moment he was so close to getting an interception. I actually thought he had taken it. Um and it, it, there was so many positives on that side of the football. On the offensive side of the ball, I thought Herbert worked really hard. I really did. I think he worked really hard trying to bounce off to the sides um, my other concern about about the first half was our again my worry whenever somebody kicks the ball to us, just my fear goes through me. It's like oh my god, 
what are we going to do? And 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 I know I was going to joke online saying the bat signal for for Daz Newsom, but Jesus, Lucas can't be the one. He can't be the future going forward to catching catching the football. Um, and, and I just found it found it strange. It, it was interesting. Um, brilliant, Tony the Pod. You missed it. It was the best one of the best parts of the game outside of Justin Fields was Nick Foles coming in. I was booing from Ireland. Um, but no, the the. We, we were kind of stopped. like it's it's a first game of preseason. I saw on Twitter people were literally losing their minds. I was like, okay, let's relax. What it did show is it showed that our wide receiver crew isn't as depth as we thought it was maybe two or three days ago. I think Rodney Adams did well. I think it's interesting he's up on, in front of the cameras, but I think Rodney Adams did okay, did well in the second half, definitely. But I think our wide receiver crew didn't give Justin Fields anything or Andy Dalton, to be fair. Um, and that was a little bit disappointing. I was a little bit disappointed also with Cole Komet. He had a couple of he had a couple of shots to him, and he and he didn't get that separation that he might need. But again, look, it's the first half of the first game of preseason, so we should we just talk about Justin? Yeah, look, it it is interesting. Look, um, I think that uh, Scott may have been on a couple of beers because he's saying Goldman was more or less absent. Goldman wasn't playing, Scott. He wasn't in the game, so that's why he was absent. So a couple of beers there, I think. Look, I think Scott went. I think Scott went straight from boys to men, straight onto the game. So fair play to him. Keep going, Scott. Keep going, kid. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep drinking all the way throughout the night. Do us do us proud over here. But yeah, look, it's a couple of good ones. So uh, look, Chad BC, Dad's your president. Uh, look, before we move on, because you mentioned about the wide receivers, I've said this before. I think this is going to be one of those where you're going to see on that cutdown day that the Bears pick up one or two wide receivers. Because, look, you know that they're going to have A-Rob, they're going to have Darnell Mooney, you're going to have Marquise Goodwin. But then after that, you don't really know. what next. People will say Demir Bird, okay? Like, he was playing with the twos today. He didn't get any snaps when the ones were out there. Um, and while he kind of came off early, you have Rodney Adams, which you saw some good points to him, but you also saw... The problem with him is that he there was a what was it a fifteen yard pass from Justin Fields hit him right in the chest and he drops it. And the guy that people have been talking about in training camp, John Bay Johnson, didn't do anything today. And um, we didn't see Daz Newsom, so I'm assuming he's still a little bit banged up, where they're easing him back in because I think I only noticed him in the fourth quarter. Um, didn't even get to see him kind of return a kick, which my guess is. That's probably now you're trying to save him a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Daz doesn't make the team. They're doing this just to get him back on the practice squad for now because when a guy gets injured early on in camp, it, it can be difficult. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see the Bears actually bring in one or two wide receivers. Uh, like we saw Justin Hardy made, made a play, but it's it's going to be interesting with there only being three preseason games. Normally having the four, you get different ways of kind of introducing guys in. Hopefully we can see what Daz Newsom can do to see if he's going to be a guy that's there. Um, but yeah, like absolutely. Look, like I said, I'll, I'll go through some of the other kind of key points and then I'll, I'll bring yourself in now. So I just looked on the second series for defense. So again, Akeem Hicks and Alec Ogletree came in for a tackle. After that, Ogletree again got a tackle, but it was really good pressure by Robert Quinn. Um, but then this is where one of the problems, I think Scott put, um, he put one of them in here where this is in the second series where he got lost in coverage on the it was on the second drive actually that he got lost in coverage and Gusecki got I think it was a 53 yard reception but again that's when we saw the red zone defense where he saw two excellent tackles by Jalen Johnson 
And that's something that I think he's probably learned a little bit from Kyle Fuller because that's what we were used to seeing from Fuller last year. So that was good as well. On that second tackle, you see a lot of good pressure by Kyrie's Tonga. And then obviously you get Tonga again helping out. So then Ogletree gets to stop on, on third down. So no, just in terms of being able to see that, we mentioned yesterday how important the joint practices are because you get to practice certain situations. And while I never like giving up a 50-yard reception, it was actually good because you got to see the Bears red zone defense. And they stood up against <laughs> they stood up against them. And we had a lot of backups in there. Like you have to remember is the, the likes of Roquan wasn't there, Danny Trevathan wasn't there, Eddie Goldman wasn't there. Um, obviously you have the likes of Khalil Mack, you have Robert Quinn, but like you're seeing guys like Kyrie Stonga, Alec Ogletree make plays. And the one thing Scott mentions in terms of Alec Ogletree getting lost in coverage, well, he's not a coverage linebacker. He's not, he's not, that's not his strengths, but the fact is he's able to go in and make plays when it's needed. So what was your impression of that series in total? No. Well, the two on that series that absolutely stand out are Ogletree and Tonga. I mean, I think Tonga looks a player. I mean, seventh round draft pick for, for what looks like, I mean, he's dominant back there, you know. I mean, we talked about Ogletree made that mistake and a couple of plays later he, he made up for it. But again, that was Tonga just creating a hole to, to let Ogletree go through. <clears throat> but no, I, I mean, in general, I thought the defence, you know, looked well. Uh, Ogletree is some story as well to come in and, and to make a few plays. Uh, he, as Anthony said earlier, he he was ball hawk and he seemed to always be in around what was going on. Um, in general, look as you say, first game of preseason. Um, you know, just work out as you say, getting it at the at the one yard or near the, the the end zone was great practice just to see how they would actually handle being you know short to the goal there. Um, no, I think really positive now. Um, I thought the Dolphins moved it. Early, I thought he did kind of well. I think a couple of times I caught out in you know the corners, but again, preseason he worked that out. I mean, if everything works perfect, then you've nothing to fix, you know, that kind of way, you've nothing to concentrate on. It there needs yeah. to be something to, to you know, it's the whole point in it. So, no, in, in general, I, I mean, I'm fairly positive about the defense this season. I have been and I, I've nothing to back it up with in, in terms of Desai because he's come in as a, as a new coordinator, but. I don't know. I just feel positive. I think we have some players. I think Quinn, as you say, for the short time he was in there, looked busy and looked like he was, I mean, he, he was getting at the quarterback. He was trying to get blocks in there. Um, Yeah, no, positive. Definitely, you know, two more games. We see if it continues that way. But the the, the one word I get from the defense over today is, is Tonga. Really looking yeah. forward to see how he continues. Yeah, absolutely. I I, com I completely agree. Look, I know right now Matt Nagy is live, so we will give you all the updates on that for anybody that is watching. Again, anybody that's watching over on YouTube, make sure you do like the video. Um, but there's a couple of interesting ones here, and I want to give this one to you, Tony, because, again, this kind of stems back to the offense as well. So Scott mentions this. So do you like Rodney Adams and Justin Hardy more than Williamson and Ridley now? We only saw Hardy make one catch, so I think that's a little bit difficult to kind of say. But in terms of Rodney Adams versus Williams or Ridley, what would what was your impression of watching them all today? 
Yeah, I think it's too early to really make any evaluations along there. I, I think the one evaluation that we can all agree on, though, is that, that Javon Wims shouldn't be there. So, you know, if you've got an either-or option, certainly one of the, the other guys could, could fit in there alongside Ridley. Um, you know, Ridley himself had a, had a really good uh, first-down pickup uh, in the second half and then capitalised on top of that by having... Uh, 10-yard penalty of the back of it, a five-yard penalty for a, a, a false start right away kind of thing, you know. So, um, you know, it's those kind of things that keep guys like Ridley down because they're just making mental errors and it's, it's getting over that hump, um, especially three years into the, the role now. Um, in terms of... Um, Adams, you know, I, I think I think he was pretty active. He seemed to be one of the kind of go-to guys for Fields as well. Um, again, made a couple of good uh, catches, um, was linking up well. But again, it's the it's the first game. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure um, on these on these younger guys in the first game. So I'd like to see a wee bit more before I'd make any decisions in terms of who I would keep and who I would cut. But I think guys like you know Ridley and Adams and Wims are all on the bubble. Um, and it's uh, it's just a case of trying to put your your mark out there to to to, to come across the, as best as you can, and also uh, being effective in special teams, as we spoke about many times. Uh, that's got to be the thing uh, that, that that separates you from the other guys. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, like I've said before, it's right now it's difficult to evaluate. It's one game, and some of these guys haven't played it played a game. Like I said, some of these rookies from last year if they weren't starting for your team, they played very little football last year. They're guys that would have hit the practice squad, undrafted guys. And then you have the same for this year. It's the first time that they're actually going out there with a full crowd. You have to remember that. Like even the likes of Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, they didn't play in front of crowds last year. So it was pretty much like practice for them, even when they're playing the game. So it's a different scenario that these guys have to kind of get used to, which I think is important. But look, um, I'm going to kind of continue again with some of the stuff that, we saw in terms of that first half. Um, so again, the second series for the offense, again, we have, the, I was impressed with a little bit of the protection in this particular one that passed to Komet. Um, I saw Andy Dalton went through three separate reads, then ended up dumping it off. That's what you want to see because last year we weren't seeing that with Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. So again, there's little things like that that are important to be able to look at. Um, after that, you have Damian Williams that had a really good run. But again, that's where we had one of our penalties. So again, I think that's when Bars was holding. So again, it was that was kind of one of the other stories of that first quarter and even kind of went into the second quarter. Some dumb penalties again from the Bears offensive linemen, which we saw a lot last year. Um, then we had Rodney Adams. He got 15 yards against zone again. That was Dalton going through three reads and guessing. But like the fact is, Rodney Adams was playing a lot of football today. He played in the first quarter all the way to the, the end of the third with, with Justin Fields. So it tells you how they feel. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you, Scott, in terms of dismal until final drive. We were really just kind of hanging on like with certain plays rather than what was going on. Then you have the slanting completion to and commit but it was the exact same thing that will happen to darnell mooney no separation and very difficult for andy dalton um then what we got so that was pretty much the first quarter because nothing nothing else really went into the bears favor so this is where i wanted to bring you in anthony because this was when jalen johnson got taken out 
And one of the keys that I saw, and I didn't expect it, was the fact that when Jalen Johnson got taken out, it wasn't exactly who we thought would come in. It was Javier Crawford who was the first one to kind of come in. And while we've heard him kind of making plays, what do you think that that actually tells us for the cornerback room? Because, again, I know there was a couple of the vets that didn't, that didn't play in the game, but I was a little bit surprised because he looked a little bit overmatched when he got when he got brought in. Yeah, I think it was it was similar to similar to the returning scenario. I think it was a case of they wanted to really give these guys opportunities because they're not a hundred percent comfortable in what they're seeing so far, whether that's in camp or whether that's anywhere else. I think they're going to see that across all three games, where you're going to see a lot of usage of everybody because we're not one hundred percent comfortable in certain areas of the field. Yeah, it was a surprise. It really was, but I just think there's a there's a I wouldn't say naivety to it, but there's a there's an interest to see what these guys are going to bring. And opportunities are learning. Ogletree is the one example. Tonga is another example today on defense. That when you're giving your shot, you gotta go and do something with it. You gotta go. You got your opportunity. You gotta go and prove it. Um, and it's the reason why I would have taken Wims out of the time. It's the reason why I understand what Tony's saying about Riley Ridley. But as soon as he does the penalty again, we're back to the same conversation. Um, and there's a, there's a few players today that didn't cement this, cement themselves in the 53, but put themselves further down the road of being out of the 53. And that's what preseason can do to you sometimes, because you this is your Super Bowl almost for some of these guys, because they may not have a job in a month's time. And I think there was a bit of that for Crawford. I didn't think he did a bad job. I didn't think he did a great job. I didn't think he pushed himself way up the tree, which is what, as I said, Tonga and Ogletree have probably potentially been doing. And and it's it's just an interesting kind of side of what it was. The thing I'll say, what you said, Kieran, as well, about, about the calls and, and the separation, I think there was a lot of Nagy being terrified as to what to do with preseason. I don't think you understand. I don't think we know yet what we really want to get out of preseason yet. Whether it's we want to go all out and show some of our younger guys, whether it's getting reps into people, or whether we're going to start really kind of performing in certain parts or getting uh, an offensive kind of read and understanding of what we're trying to do. Because it did seem to be a bit confused coming up to halftime all the way through the second quarter. And that's without the penalties and the stupidity of whims, etc. Just, it just seemed to be confused. And while the defence didn't, Sean Desai seemed to have his guys locked on on what we're trying to do and locked into what we're trying to make sure we don't give big plays away or make sure we try and get, get things cut down when they get into the red zone. That came across very much that the de- defence really wanted to be involved. And I think just don't think the offense knew what they were going to do. Now, whether that's Nagy, whether that's it's the first game of preseason, I don't know. But it was just an interesting, an interesting start. Yeah, look, I, I feel like it it was tough on both quarterbacks because early on in the in the game, like the protection wasn't wasn't great. Like you're seeing Dalton kind of letting that ball out pretty quick, right? Because again, that was the only choice that realistically he had. But then you see Justin Fields and the fact that he had to scramble a couple of times is because protection did break down. But then also the fact is that guys weren't able to beat the press coverage that the Dolphins were able to do. And look, Dolphins are, they have a really good kind of secondary. We mentioned it on our show yesterday. It is one of the strengths of their team. And we saw it throughout the game. It's, it's not easy. But again, players have to start making more plays for these guys and look, I find it, it it's difficult. Everybody's gonna go in on Andy Dalton because obviously whatever the stat line is, and because he, he only threw like four passes and, and things like that. But 
it, it's tough to kind of get too high or too low on both these guys now. Like at the end of the day, I think we know at some point in time that the Bears are going to be playing Justin Fields. And just to go on this, um, Matt Nagy in his press conference, just to give some guys what we have, he says, it was a great day for Justin Fields. He did awesome. Also on the Jason Peters signing, he says, it doesn't have anything to do with Tevin Jenkins. So that's an interesting one as well. Obviously, they just they probably just want depth. I would say when you're bringing in someone here at this point of the season, they're not going to be making that much money. I, I can't imagine that Jason Peters is making more than a couple of mil, um, if even. Because, again, coming in this late, 39-year-old, it, it's it's very similar, I guess, to his deal that he probably signed last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but, yeah, look, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting one. Matt Nagy also says that he wants Justin Fields to continue to stack days like today. Um, basically, it issues kind of a, a challenge for Justin Fields to do this over the next couple of practices. But the one thing that I want to see from that is that he actually gives him an opportunity to compete. Um, because it's very hard for a guy to be able to con- consistently be stacking these practices and these games if you're not going to really let him have the chance to play with the first team. Because it's very important. Like At the end of the day, Andy Dalton in practice is trying to Darnell Mooney and Alan Robinson while we're talking about the wide receivers that we didn't think played very well today except for maybe Rodney Adams. And that's who Justin Fields is throwing to in practice. And he's the one that's making plays. So, it, look, it is it is going to be important to be able to see this. Um in that, in that series, in terms of the defense, this is one of the longer drives, and it was it ended up in the interception by DeAndre Houston Carson. So, again, there was holding on the Dolphins, but Atauchu got um, really good pressure up there. He was being held, and it was obviously going to be a sack if that if that wasn't going to happen. Ogletree and Christian Jones made a tackle. Bilal Nichols made a tackle. Houston Carson as well. Again, we saw there with Christian Jones again. Um, Mario Edwards on, in this series I thought played very well um, but then this is where we saw Javier Crawford where he kind of got bodied by Matt Collins which we did we did hear about during training camp um, this particular week that Hollins was kind of having his way with some of the corners um, so that is an interesting one. Duke Shelley was one that I think played quite well early on in the game and kind of put himself up um, and then this is when we started seeing some of the second stringers kind of filter in so this is where i want to bring you in on a couple of particular players so travis gibson started coming in at this point in in the game and i thought he made a lot of good plays i also think angelo blackson was very good and it just goes to show that there's good depth in this defensive line you have guys that were pretty much filtering in and out all the way up until maybe the third quarter that were making plays and making it very difficult for the dolphins because we were hearing about the Dolphins really making a lot of strides on against the Bears' defense at times during practice, but we didn't really see that. So what was your opinion on some of those guys? Yeah, no, you, actually you mentioned Blackson there. I think he, he's a good player, but we definitely have some depth in there. I think, you know, for over the course of the season, we can be fairly confident that, you know, if we lose one, one or two players, we definitely have the cover to come in Um. Yeah, I actually I like to toast you today as well, and, and on bits when I see him, he looks he looks a good player. I think was he free agent from from the Broncos, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, I actually like to look at him as well. Um, 
No, like we do. We, we definitely have depth there. Um, I think there may still be questions at corner that need to be answered, but that'll be done over time. But along the line, I think I think we're good. And you know, you still have Eddie Goldman to come back into this whenever he's he's ready to go. So I mean, yeah, I, I think it's definitely positive now there for for the for the defense anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely interesting. One thing I don't really understand with um, Matt Nagy again. I'm just kind of giving people some of the updates in case you guys are listening here. Um, where he mentions that. Jason Peters has nothing to do with what's going on with Tevin Jenkins, but then at the same line, he says Peters is coming in here to compete for the starting left tackle position. That it, it, that just again completely goes against what Matt Nagy was talking about. But look, we will get completely onto the offensive line. We will break down everything to do with Justin Fields coming up soon as well. Look, one of the interesting ones here actually, Scott mentions it. Even there's Pennell who came over from Kansas City. The one thing I took away from this game, especially early on, is the Bears' second-string defense was putting it up to Miami's first-string offense. And that's really impressive because there's a lot of guys there that will be the rotation guys coming in and out. And it goes back to what we were looking for all the way back, Anthony, from that first show that we did on here where we did it pretty much an entire show talking about the Bears' defense and Sean Desai and I actually think we got to see the Bears actually being aggressive. I think I only counted Khalil Mack in coverage once. <laughs> and it was just because of the way that the Dolphins actually lined up that there was a spare guy out there. And if he didn't go out that, um, it could have been a very easy first down. But what I saw was there was aggressiveness. And because of that, there were plays in the ball that the corners were trying to make. Like, I know we talk about Javier Crawford that got a little bit body by Hollands, but he was actually getting himself in a position to make a play because there was a lot of pressure on on the Dolphins quarterbacks, whether it was Tua or Jacoby Brissett or that kid that came in in the fourth quarter. Like I was impressed with the front seven, both from the first team and then from the second team on. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I think the defense, if we forget Justin for a second, and if we looked at it at the start of the year, as you said about Sean Desai, what I was really enthused with is, compare this to the last two years of our defense, which seems very passive, we seemed really up for this, and we seemed all over the field. And it was I was waiting for the blue bucket to be pushed out and do a slam dunk in the middle of it, because already you're getting that kind of enthusiasm back towards our defense. And it's almost like Sean Desai has been saying to our defense, look, our offense has got Justin Fields now. They think they're the best part of the team. We're going to go out there and show that they're not, that we are the best part of the team. And it's created that even if Robert Quinn is doing something, then Jesus, Sean Desai needs, needs almost to get a medal already. It just, there was a lot of those things that were positive. I think you're right with Blackson. I think that was a good shout. I think it was a good trade as well, by the way. Already seeing that that could be, that could be something that we in. And Christian Jones, you saw him around the field quite a little bit, especially in the first half. He just seemed to be, he seemed to be around. Um, and I, I just like that. The pressure the front seven do give you is where we are weak in corner where Noel said it, that it just gives them that little bit of an opportunity to to, to kind of go for the ball because the space will be created by the, the pressure that they're putting. Tua mentioned it during the week that the pressure the Bears seven give him. And I think you saw that again today. I think Tua was a little bit, look, he's, he's a very good kid, he's a very good player, but he seemed to be a little bit freaked a little bit at certain points in the first half with the pressure that was coming on. It was one play that he went to, went to the Dolphins side and he overthrew the pass because... He just felt, you could see him, he felt the pressure was coming straight onto him. I think it was either by Hicks or by, by Quinn, actually. 
and um, and it, it, he threw it, he overthrew the pass, and that's what we want to see from our seven because we haven't seen that with Chuck Pagano. We just didn't see it. Yeah, it's it's that aggressiveness that that we want back. It's it's really really important for this Bears team to be doing that, guys. Make sure that you put your comments in. Make sure you kind of whatever thoughts that you had from the game, put those in, whether it be offense, defense. Um, I don't really want to talk too, too much about special teams because it was a bit of a joke today. Um, no, 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 no. We have to talk about special teams. Carlos from 53 yards got the game back, got us back in the game. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Who? Who? <laughs> like kickers don't exist, right? Like that. that's the way that we, that's the way that we work on this show. Anyway, kickers don't exist. It's, Justin Fields got those three points for it for the yeah. Bears. Not Carlos Sanders. Slam dunk there. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. At the look at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's isn't it strange that how we're not even like Carlos Santos obviously has been lights out since last September, really, and then suddenly we have an undrafted guy come in and also be able to kick when <laughs> two years pre- prior to this we had like ten undrafted guys and nobody could kick. Where were these guys in 2018? Where were these guys? <laughs> Seriously. Well, Cairo Santos was on the Bears in 2016. <laughs> like at the end of it's look, it's it's one of those. But the one thing that I would say is first half was was tough. Um, because there wasn't a lot to cheer about in terms of the offensive production. There was a lot, there was a lot of people. Oh, this this name gives me a. Uh, the EVGBs, Eddie Pinheiro, yeah. Um, but look, I just feel like I want, I kind of, even though I wanted to see Justin Fields very early in the game, I actually wanted to see more out of the first team offense because we didn't get to see anything. And it's all well and good seeing kind of these second stringers make plays. But at the end of the day, you want to see how the offense that's actually going to be playing in week one is going to work and it just didn't. So hopefully we're going to see a little bit more. But look, the Bills have a good defense as well. And then you, what is it? I think it's the Titans is our target. And that's three really, really good defenses in terms of preseason. So it's going, it's going to be tough. That offense, I can't wait until they get to play the Cincinnati Bengals in week two because they're going to go through a, a couple of very difficult defenses kind of coming up. But look, then Justin Fields came in. And this is where I, w- I do want to go into depth about kind of the main storyline of this preseason game all about Justin Fields because again he's the future of the position he's the reason that place was rocking he's the reason so many fans came out and so many people were just so enthused of a preseason game that most people don't care about the first or the third one or from before would have been first second and fourth usually it's that middle game where you see more of the actual starters play throughout but at the start, it was kind of tough because offense, again, just were not clicking. I think, what was there, three or four, three and outs, um, very quick. Same mistakes, though, over and over and over again. Some blocking errors. Justin Fields in one of the um, series wasn't great with kind of protecting the football. So twice that happened. There was a obviously a bad snap by Sam Mustafer. But then when he did a spin move and then, he he let the ball go. It was it, it was tough. So again, that's going to be a hard one. But the one thing that no matter what happened, and there was that poise. But towards his last series in that first quarter, which we or the sec or the first half that we were talking about, where 
he showed the calmness, even though there was so much stuff that was going in and around him that there wasn't a lot of success early on. But he didn't let that affect him. And it's the one thing that always sticks out to me. I feel like if that was someone like Trubisky or like Foles, they would have rushed it and their clock would have sped up and they would have started making mistakes. For as tough as that was, and for he was in a couple of tough situations, he didn't make he didn't make too many errors in terms of like being stupid. Like that time when we were in the end zone and he made it where he made a little play to make a couple yards. That's a typical one where Trubisky's there and he throws a pick because we've seen that so many times. And I just felt that the poise, the composure, I guess just how relaxed he was in the pocket. And then you saw that for his first touchdown. Like the one thing that I, I just wrote down for his touchdown in terms of his, what was it? A 22 yard rushing touchdown or something like that. Um, was poise his sidestep or his his shimmy after that, and then his touchdown. And one thing that one of the beat reporters said and how impressive it was, was that people knew that was a touchdown when he was at the 17-yard line. That tells you a lot about the speed of Justin Fields. And even we saw it in the game when he made a, another kind of long run where what I, what I saw anyway is, even though he was outpacing us, it looks like he's jogging when he's running, but he's actually running at very high that 4-4 speed so tony on this is how impressed were you from that performance of justin fields because even though early on there was a little bit of a struggle with the offense you saw signs that things were slowly starting to click you need to make accountabilities though for the fact that this is the first time he's played you know in the uniform in front of the fans a soldier field a lot of pressure all eyes are on him you know as soon as he ran onto that field you know, the camera was following him right along. That was the only thing they were interested in. So I think you take that into account as well. Um, but again, I'll echo what you said. The big thing, big thing for me was the calmness, the composure. You know, it just looked like nothing phased them. It wasn't, the stage wasn't too big for him. I know it's pre-season, so it's not a huge stage, but it is, it is a big stage um, in many ways. And it wasn't too big for him. And the thing is, is because he's been there before, he's been on the big stage and he's used to this type of thing. You know, that's that's what we didn't have with 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 Mitch. Um, again, you mentioned his, his speed um, without looking like he's breaking a sweat. I think it's just it's it's a really tough um, kind of matchup for for defenses um, because they need to be aware that he's going to use his legs. But then again, when you've seen him using his legs, and then he threw the kind of wee uh, dip pass to to Adams, um, you know, just at the last minute. He's seen the linebacker coming towards him, and he's like, "Oh wait, hold on a second! I need to take into account that he could throw it, or he could run it here." So he's bringing he's bringing that dimension that we had back, or we thought we had back in kind of 2018, 2019 with with, with Mitch, but then he stopped doing it as much. Um, but again, he doesn't look like a deer caught in headlights. He looks like he's in he's in full control of what's going on. In terms of fumbles, you know, you know that 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 fumble is going to things are like that are going to happen. You know, mistakes are going to happen throughout the year. You're better to make these kind of uh, more glaring errors in preseason. But even in the regular season, if he starts week one like he should, um, he's going to he's probably going to make mistakes again. But again, that's just the price of getting exposure for your young QB is that he's going to learn how to do things. And you're better off doing that now in year one than waiting to year two and seeing him making the same mistakes then, allowing him that year to kind of rectify anything. Um, but I think the other thing I'd, I'd note, note in the, 
Twitter, what Matt Nagy had said on Justin Fields was, and what we've all said is that the one thing you felt from Justin is that he's extremely calm the whole time. You know, so they're noticing that as well. And that's going to instill confidence in them and his ability to do things. Let them open up the playbook a wee bit, give him more responsibility, let him make decisions, see him changing things at the line, changing protections. And he's already started to do that anyway. Um, so I think, you know, all in all, considering this is his first run out, I think it was a success. Um, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't set the header alight. You know, he, it wasn't the best performance you'll ever see. But for, for a guy like him coming out and the pressure that was on him, fair play to him, fair play. Yeah, I just wanted to bring this up and then I'll come to you, Anthony, but Justin Fields is just on the podium and one of the things that he said when one of the guys in the Bears beat reporters asked him about adjusting to the speed of the NFL, he said it was actually kind of slow to me. Now, granted, this is why I say it's actually really important that at times he does play with that kind of second stringer in in camp because he's playing against the first team defense quite a lot because what people don't realize is even though he's on the second string offenses they're very regularly going up against the first team defense which means you're playing with ideally worse players than the defense would have and yet you're still having to make plays against them but look that that quote doesn't surprise me because it looked like he was very calm and it wasn't too fast, which for me, I just think it's the complete opposite to what we saw with Trubisky, his entire career with the with the Bears. It seemed like it was always too fast for Mitch. But he, that's what that was what I took out of it. I know we will talk about some of the, the great plays and stuff that he made, but really it's just that calmness, the composure, and the fact that even though when stuff was happening, when offensive linemen were kind of closing in and there was problems in terms of protection, he didn't worry about it. He just kind of took it on the chin, just kind of went around around his business. If he made a mistake on one play, the next play was like it was forgotten. And it's something that I really like about Justin. Yeah, I just I I must admit I echo what, what Tony said. I noticed one thing that I thought was just so different than what we've had in Chicago for quite some time. When the second penalty, so we just had Wims doing his madness, and then we had another penalty directly after that. So we're now backed up on our goal line. But if you watch their play again, when the referee chose the flag, the Mustafa has already snapped the ball. Um, Fields catches it and actually plays with the ball in his hand in the, in the most calmest, as if he's playing with his mates in the, in the park. And it was just this, instead of like, oh crap, we're now on the goal line, what the hell's going on? It's my first game, there's panic, which we've seen with other QBs or other players in that position in Chicago. He just gave the air of total calmness and then he rolls out, looks around, finds a space and then pops it off either to Williams or to Hardy, I can't remember which one it was. But it just gave that air of everybody just take a breath. Everyone just take a breath. And when he wanted to up it with 45 seconds to go in the second half, or the, before half time, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're upping it now. And it's almost like he took control and said, we're now going to up this now. We're now going to go there. We're now going to go there. And it was the speed at which he decided. And it that's what really enthused me. Second half is the second half. That's just Justin Fields doing what Justin Fields does. But those 45 seconds and when it was going wrong were the two things that stand out to me the most about how I'm really excited about this kid. Because he just gives you that ability to just go, it's just a game and almost. That's all he was playing. It was like, it's just a game. Everyone just take a breath. And that wasn't there previously. It was all high intensity. We have to do everything perfect. And when it, it falls apart, then you've nothing else to go to. This kid looks like he's got so many other options available to him. Yes, it is game one of the preseason. I really hope the Bills bring their full 
um, defense next week because that's a bigger challenge again. It's a real proper step up if they get maybe the first half against the Bills, but but it's like full two full four steps in the right direction in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that uh, I thought was funny that Justin Fields has said on the podium is that he thinks that it's officially time to retire the spin move. I second that. We don't need Justin Fields spinning. Take a knee if you need to do it. We don't need him getting injured. Like at the end of the day, though, some some excellent performances, some excellent throws that Justin Fields did make. One of the ones that I, I kind of wanted to bring up was the touchdown. Um, so, Noel, I want to talk to you about this one because I thought it was really, really impressive, the one to Jesse James, which we've been seeing kind of that connection all camp since Jesse James has kind of come in. And this is where I think you have to commend Ryan Pace as well because two guys that he brought in pretty late, You have Jesse James came in just before training camp. You had Alec Ogletree come in, what was it, maybe eight or nine days ago. Both guys had very good games of played well in terms of training camp and are very likely to make this roster. So again, that's one thing. But I think the good thing was that the Bears made sure that they tried to establish the run as best as they could with the with the offensive line that weren't doing too much. They they did just enough in the running game to allow Justin Fields to be able to do play action. And what helps that is the fact that Justin Fields was moving kind of along the the sides or along the sides and he was it wasn't the same one of the things i think it was maybe it was adam amin or it was jim miller one of them did mention in the broadcast that just the fact that the defense knows he has that speed when he does kind of get out of the pocket even though there's good coverage then suddenly a corner has to come to justin fields and then he's able to make the play over that and because of that the play action opened up and that's what we saw in the touchdown to Jesse James, who was completely wide open. And this is a type of play that we constantly saw for Ohio State. So it's, so, it's something that Justin Fields is is used to. And to be honest, I'm glad that that happened because for how well I think that Justin Fields played overall in terms of his composure and just being accurate with the ball because there was a couple of plays out there that he made some beautiful throws that guys just didn't come down with the ball. Um what was your impression of when that kind of touchdown happened? Were, were you impressed with, I guess, both the play call, but also the execution by Fields? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just to go back to what you say there, with, with a player like Fields, defense is now, you know, it's not like Trubisky. They're, you know, they know Trubisky can get out on the edge and run, but they're not too worried about him throwing it because they know he's, God knows what he's going to do with the throw. But with a player like Fields, they, they have to be in two minds now. Like, you know, what do I do? Do I if I go to him, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna leave it open to throw. If I stand back, he can run, you know, and he, he creates them problems for the defense then and gives us options um on how we deal with them. But just to go back to something Anthony said earlier about the way he dealt with that 45 seconds. I mean, he came in and you're kind of wondering, right, this is it now. How is he gonna be? And you know, college player making that step up as he's kind of getting into the game, you know. He has the fumble and he, you know, he's getting into it. But then for that 45 seconds, the way he managed that offense and the way he moved that ball, he just kind of sat back and went, whatever about the throw and his TD run, when I seen the way he managed that drive, you just sit back and go, this kid is something special. I mean, he really has. I know the word pious has been mentioned a lot. And I mean, his confidence and it's not cockiness, it's not arrogance, but it's, you know, it's confidence. It's, I am the quarterback. This is it. Like I am here. I'm here to win, and he he looks a special player. And I mean, I commented that the, the worst part of today for me was when the third quarter ended and he was being hooked out. 
because I, t- I, I posted earlier on, I said, Jesus, it's third quarter is over already. I mean, when you have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback out there doing his thing like that, time just, just zips like it's... I look. I was telling myself today, no matter what happens, don't get too high, don't get too low. If, if it doesn't work out for him, it's preseason. He'll be, you know, we'll get there. If he's amazing, don't be too hyped, but I'm not listening to that. <laughs> Watching him today, I mean... Uh, I don't know, franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. And I cannot wait to see what he does this season. I really can't. Yeah, it's very difficult when it's like, don't get too high, don't get too low. Because I'm usually want to kind of be like that. And when we do our analysis of different of games and we'll do our analysis of when we did it for the draft, that's what kind of we went on. But in terms of, it's just so hard with the emotion that everything comes around. This team has never had a legit franchise quarterback and it goes back to me watching fields today it purely reminded me of like i mentioned it on a lot of our draft shows of russell wilson at wisconsin where it's not so much the russell wilson at seattle now where you see he pretty much had to do everything for a long period of time um but it's where he can use his feet but i keep trying to tell people he can use his feet but his first like thing to do is to pass the ball and we saw that plenty of times gets out of the pocket instead of running for the first down he waits for a corner to leave his man to come to him and then plays it and that's kind of what you want to see you want to see justin making some of the the tap in plays because that's something that and it seems ridiculous but that's something that mitch never did last year the amount of times there was some simple five-yard passes that were just going off and it just wasn't on target well Justin feels he just exudes confidence. And that's something you need in that quarterback position because not only do you need it for the quarterback in, in general, but you need it for the rest of your team. You need the rest of your team to believe in you. And that's something that I felt that he did today. So, look, Tony, I want to bring you in on this one, look, just to kind of go through some of the stats. So, he went 14 for 20, 142 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and 106.7 passer rating. 70% completion rating, five rushes for 33 yards and a touchdown. Very impressive for his first ever NFL game. Like he said, he felt it was pretty slow. It was not as fast as he thought it was going to be. And it showed when you kind of watch them, it, it didn't look fast for him when for a lot of quarterbacks out there, it does. I watched yesterday after our show, or maybe it was, it was actually this morning because we were so late last night. Um, it, just, it seems like a long day. But I, I watched um, the New England Patriots game back just to see a little bit of Mac Jones, see how he performed. And I thought he played quite well, but he did look a little bit rushed on, on some of them. And his, his inner play clock kind of was going a little bit faster. With, with Justin Fields, it just looks like very natural. And it's going to be interesting to see what Trevor Lawrence does later on today because I want to see how he's going to react. Haven't, we haven't got to see him since... They played Ohio State, so that's going to be an interesting one. But in terms of looking at Fields there, what was the one thing that you took away from the game that you were most impressed with when it comes to Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably what we've already spoken about in terms of how he impacts the mentality of everyone around about him. And it's not just these teammates, it's it's the fan base, it's everything, you know. Um, you've seen it, and, and Noel said it earlier as well, 
when the third quarter ended and you knew Nick Foles was coming out, you were like, do you know what I mean? It was just like, was you know, <laughs> you just had that. It was just this euphoria came down, and you were like, right, okay, I feel like I'm back in 2020 again, kind of thing. Why do we need to see Nick Foles doing anything? In fact, the fact that he's actually playing um, is actually going to put people off, want to trade for him. So just keep him hidden away and keep bringing out that 2017 run. And uh, in, in the in the tape, um, but yeah, um, I, I think I think it's just the feeling that he's um, providing to everybody was was the kind of main thing, especially with the fan base. You know, the fans were were right behind him, um, and again, it, it's it's just that total composure and total professionalism um, in the way that he conducts his business, um, and it's just it's, it's very very impressive. The guy's got a lot to learn. There's no doubt about that. There's a, there's a long way to go. Um, but, you know, based off where he is, his baseline at the minute, I mean, it's, it's so much higher than anybody we've had um, in recent years, you know, in terms of rookies, uh, younger guys playing at that position. Um, and, again, the thing for me is, I've been saying this since, since he arrived, um, playing Andy Dalton... It's just a waste of time. I, I just, I just, for me personally, I just don't see the point in playing Andy Dalton. If Justin Fields is going to go out in the field and he's going to do that every week, I mean, I just don't see how anybody could argue the point. Could you see Andy Dalton making those maneuvers to escape from the pressure from the poor O line? No chance. He's taking a sack there. He's, he's, he's going down. We're not making, you know, that touchdown is not going to happen with the run. The first, uh, the first Russian touchdown that he came in with, um, that's not going to happen. You know, there's just things that he does that Andy Dalton can't do, and those things are going to make the difference between winning a game or losing it by three points and going, oh well, you know, we were right there, we're always just within three points. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> that doesn't matter. What matters is who wins the game. It doesn't matter about how many points it is. You just need to win the game. And for me. I'll say it again, and I'll continue to bang the drum on this. He needs to start on week one, regardless. He needs this season to make his mistakes, you know, have his triumphs, everything that goes with it, and we need to be there for the ride. Andy Dalton is not going to be here next year. It's just a waste of time. Um, I feel very strongly about this, in case you couldn't tell. But, yeah, that that's that's how I feel, and I think today... Has even has made that that feeling even more. Uh, it's made it stronger for me, anyway, and I think it may have turned a few of other people's heads as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. I'm getting to the point of where I'm like, it's got to be. You look at the styles, and it just looks like he. Normally, you don't start rookie quarterbacks because you think they're overmatched. He doesn't look overmatched. He doesn't look worried. That like that's the main thing that. I take from it. If a guy is like we've mentioned it plenty of times in the podcast today, if a guy's poised in the pocket, he's not kind of rushing things and making loads of mistakes. Look, rookies are gonna make mistakes. So I think people will need to calm down the first time he throws an interception because it's gonna happen. He could have thrown one or two interceptions in, in the game today, but it doesn't matter. Like you wanna see him testing out some of these throws. You wanna see him try and test out some of this, the relationship with some of the receivers that we do have and I, I completely I'm getting to the point of where I, I do agree because I don't know what the ceiling's gonna be for Andy Dalton if he's the quarterback of this team. 
come week one. Look, I, I think everybody's going to feel the same. Everybody's, you can tell, everybody's a little bit bored when Andy Dalton or Nick Foles are, are in at the quarterback position. And everybody's extremely hyped when Justin Fields is there. And that's one of the things here. Darren in, in the comments, again, very good. So Justin Fields won MVP. Absolutely. Look, we're all, it's hard not to be huge fans. Everybody, make sure you get your questions in. Make sure you get your comments in. We will answer all questions, all comments that you do have. If we miss them, just pop it in again. But we will, I will try and get to every single one because, again, it's it's important that we all can celebrate this because it's the first it's the first step in progress for this team in a very, very long time. Make sure you guys do like the video. Make sure you hit subscribe and, and look, share the podcast so we have more and more people every single day that kind of listen to us here. And we'd be very appreciative of that. Um, but look, it's it's just one of those that I feel like we're getting to that point. And we spoke about this, Anthony, midweek. There's going to be a point in time where it's going to be very hard for our coaching staff to just ignore what's coming. Yeah. And... I, I put this out during the game. I feel bad for Andy Dalton because he's got to know what's coming. He I know he was told that he's going to be a starter, but this thing is is blowing up. Like you you just have to look at it. like LeBron James is tweeting at Justin Fields. They have never spoken to each other before. Justin Fields said said that in his interview today. Uh, Taylor Gabriel just tweeted saying how confident, how poised that. Justin Fields looked and he he was saying he's going to be a top 10 quarterback not too long from now. Like it's very obvious. And the reason why I kind of bring you in the, on this Anthony is because this is what we've been talking about for months. How the hell he fell down to 11 is beyond me. He was clearly the first or second best quarterback in that draft. And it's going to be so interesting watching the Jets later on because if Zach Wilson struggles, the amount of pressure that's not only going to come on him by the Jets media about them not doing it. But when they start seeing players like Justin Fields play well, Mac Jones play well, whenever Trey Lance gets to play, if he plays well, Trevor Lawrence gets to play later. It's This is the first time that I think there's going to be even added pressure on some of these guys. And the one thing I love is it looks like none of this even matters to Justin Fields. That he just lets it, it's all outside noise to him. And like, he makes a mistake or nearly gets picked off and the next play throws for 15, 20 yards. And it's, it's one of them that I really, really like. Um, so yeah, de- definitely interesting. So Alan Watson says the team had a pep in their step while Fields win. That was the other thing you saw the sideline. They were animated when Justin Fields was in the game. Yeah. I, I look, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I, I get, I get what Tony's saying. And to be fair to Tony, he's been consistent from minute one. It's not like this is after this game that he suddenly started saying this. He's been saying from week one that Justin Fields should start. My only concern is it's preseason game one, lads. Right? So it's preseason game one. We're not in, we're not like four or five weeks down the road in Dalton. We've lost games, as Tony said, by three points because we didn't put Justin Fields in the game. So let's remember that part as well. There's a couple of things that we haven't mentioned yet that I noticed as well before I go on to my other point. Justin Fields makes a fumble. It's Justin Fields that recovers the ball. I don't remember seeing a lot of quarterbacks that recover their own fumbles like that when it's that far away from them. They have to go and stretch for that, for that ball. So that's another bit. Of, it's his desire that he wants to go and do that. It's his, his desire on the football field. That's amazing to see. Also, I think you said earlier on, K- 
Kieran, you mentioned Andy Dalton and Nick Foles in the same sentence, and I don't really want to have that anymore. I think Andy Dalton doesn't get the credit he deserves in Chicago fans for what he's done so far for Justin Fields. And people are going to say, well, what do you mean? What are you saying? Before the game started, and sorry, when he goes in in the first quarter, Andy Dalton is the first person up to Justin Fields to say, good luck, kid, on you go. Andy Dalton, as you rightly said, is not stupid. He knows what's coming. Whether it comes in week one, whether it comes in week four, whether it comes in week seven, it's going to come. I wouldn't have a problem with Andy Dalton being the backup on three or four million million a year in 12 months' time. Because everything I'm seeing from Andy Dalton in training camp, everything I'm seeing in interviews, makes me feel like this guy is the right guy to be in that kind of setup. Between now and when, when Justin Fields starts, that's up to Justin Fields. And he's definitely put feet right in the right direction of getting that done. I think that the, the problem I would I would have is, let's see what he's like next week. Let's see what he's like the week after. He's built, he's put up back-to-back performances now. So back-to-back performances in the last training camp against Dolphins and now in this game. It's back-to-back. Let's see what he does the next game against the Bills. And let's see what he does if he's involved in the last preseason game. And then we are definitely having it. The most important thing, and Karen, you said at the start, is I hope this is still a competition. I really do. I, I even though what I'm saying now is I don't know whether he's ready or not, but I don't know yet. I, I have to see a little bit more. But I hope it's a competition. I hope that that we haven't got Matt Nagy already in his head going, well, I promised Andy Dalton I was going to start him, so I'm going to start him. No, I hope it is a competition. And again, if Justin Fields goes on another step again next week and another step again if he's playing the week after or in training camp, then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Tony on the Kool-Aid. It's interesting, though, Kieran, isn't it? From draft night, where we were saying he will never should never play any games at all all season to now... We've always got him. Always got him a week one starting and, and Super Bowl seventeen and all conversations. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting though because I keep going back to it and like I, just analyzing rookies. You you know the common traits of when you start a rookie too early, and it affects them. And those are usually the rookies that you can see they have that kind of happy feet where it's very very quick and they're kind of rushing some of these throws and then. You don't get the anticipatory trolls that are out there. But with Fields, the one thing that I was hoping to see, and I did, we saw the Fields that we saw at Ohio State, that he was calm in the pocket. And I know one of the knocks in the moon is that sometimes he's too calm, but I don't think so. I think his instincts are there. Uh, the one thing I hope that this gives is the fact that there's, there will be a competition. Because right now there's not a competition. Because Matt Nagy decided to say that Andy Dalton, no matter what, is the week one starter. And look, I don't know if that's going to be a mistake or if that's going to be the best thing that happened for Justin Fields. Like we, I keep going back to it. Even though I want Justin Fields to play early, I still think it's going to be the whole like Justin Herbert situation where you're going to look at it and it'll be four or five weeks into the season. And that, and that's kind of where I see it happening. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields' first game is against the Detroit Lions. Because again, put him in in pretty much a slam dunk game where you know you're going to get a bit of time um, to throw the ball around. But look, there's a couple of different things. I want Fields to have as much quality reps as possible. So I don't need to see Justin Fields in the fourth quarter with guys that are never going to make this team. I want to start seeing Justin Fields with the starters. I want to see Justin Fields going up against starting defenses, but I don't want to see Justin Fields going up against starting starting defenses with the third stringers or with the second stringers. I want to see him where it's pretty much an even playing field to what's going to be happening during the season because it's the only way we can really say 
whether Fields is ready or not. And unfortunately, the way it seems is that Matt Nagy has already kind of said what's going to happen here. And we know what Nagy's like. He's very, very stubborn. That even though Fields could have some great plays and great days and great games, you could still see Andy Dalton playing. Like, think about it. What happens if the first team offense plays, what, maybe a quarter or two? Andy Dalton goes for maybe 100 yards or, or less. And the offense struggles. Because, look, the Bills are a good defense. And then Justin Fields comes in, probably plays against a second-string defense, and does the same what he does today. Throws between 150, 200 yards in the second half. Like, people are going to be like, okay, Justin Fields has outplayed Andy Dalton. He should start. Because the problem is in the third preseason game, it's going to be Nick Foles. And, and I don't care what people say. Justin Fields won't play much in that third preseason game because you're not risking your franchise quarterback for a game that is completely meaningless, that just has a bunch of guys that aren't going to make a roster and you tend to see more injuries in that third preseason game because there's guys really trying to make a roster and you see guys get hurt because of it because people are not controlled and that's why you're probably going to see Nick Foles in, in that game but it's going to be a tough one because obviously the way the fans want it is they want Justin Fields to play early but the way the coaching staff's going to see it is they're going to see he's not completely ready even if he has impressive days, impressive days in camp, we know what's going to happen. That first game is going to be Andy Dalton. So now we need to see what can the Bears actually do, kind of going forward and, and looking at that. And look, it is going to be it is going to be interesting. But what I do want to talk about is I want to talk about some of the guys um, that we were impressed with. Obviously, we're going to say just Justin Fields but other than that so what what we have here so rising bears for the 53 so what guys do we think that let's say improve their stock to possibly make the 53 man roster or maybe the practice squad because there's a couple there was one or two suggestions that kind of came in um today and one of them I want to kind of start off with and Noah I want to bring you in because you've mentioned a little bit of the running game earlier so how good was Herbert tonight? I thought that he had a fantastic game. I thought he was one of the players in the second or from the third quarter on. I thought he really, really stepped up and made some really good plays. And again, I feel like he was a component of why the Bears were able to get that that touchdown pass from, from Fields to Jesse James because he was running the ball hard. He was running it with aggression. There's another comment here of somebody that we mentioned earlier. So Tonga also looked really good clogging up the middle in the first half. Those are two guys that I was definitely impressed with. There was other guys that we will mention here. But in terms of any of the risers for that 53-man roster, is there any that you you saw from the game that really impressed you that maybe you could have been expecting or not expecting? Um, well, for me, well, definitely Herbert. Herbert is a player I was looking out for. I, I think I've mentioned him in a few tweets, and maybe even last night I said he was a player I really wanted to watch. I I didn't know anything about him, to be honest, before the draft. And when I was looking him up after the draft, so impressed with his tape. He looks like such an exciting and, and strong player. Um, he also gives you that option as a punt returner as well. But, I mean, I, I like the look of him. Obviously, he's going to have Williams and Montgomery in front of him. But I think he's definitely a player you can bring in and use at certain times to really give your offense a spark. Uh, yeah, look, Tonga, as I said earlier, Tonga looks a player. I, I definitely, 
I mean, for a seventh round pick, it's just another pace master stroke in the later rounds of the draft. Um, again, Ogletree is a story. I think Anthony may have mentioned on one of your shows last week on, on what a fantastic story it is that how Ogletree even came to, to be brought in, you know, with the Bears. And I mean, I'd say he's obviously not a lock yet, but he's definitely trending up in terms of what he's doing. He had that one mistake today, but then two plays later, obviously with the help of Tonga, he, he was there to redeem it and to, to stop the, the Dolphins there at the goal line. Um, so they're, they're players that definitely stand out to me. I'm trying to think who else now, if anybody else really put themselves forward for me. Um, well, that's, that's fine. We, we, I'll, I'll yeah. come back to you anyway. Yeah, no, they're again, definitely we, the ones anyway to stand out for me anyway, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple ones in the comments that I, I definitely um would agree with. So one from South Elgin twenty five, yeah. Charles Snowden. Yeah. I thought I thought he had a very I thought he had a very good game. I thought he was active. Um again, one thing is that they did mention um that I actually didn't know too much about. Um the fact that he had an injury in that last year of college, obviously last games, that he was projected to be a fourth round pick. And you can see it, he has the speed, he has the tenacity. The only thing that he's going to have to improve on right now because they're transitioning him to kind of that prototypical Bears outside linebacker is he needs to put muscle on. He's very he's still slender, um, which is expected as a rookie, but it's definitely going to be one to look out for. I think I don't know if he's going to make the fifty-three man roster. Um, he may. I don't know. I can't. I didn't recognize if he played special teams. Um, but he's definitely one that will make the practice squad. I can't see the Bears not letting him kind of be at least on this roster to potentially move up because I think that he was very impressive. You look at even the same position, Anthony, I'll kind of come to you next on on these particular ones as well in terms of guys you think that kind of rose um, in terms of this game. Travis Gibson is another one in that position. We have a Tauchu who I, I thought played quite well. And then obviously the two starters and, in Quinn and Khalil Mack, I think, had a good couple of pressures. We saw even Ladarius Mack get, get a pressure on the quarterback as well. Sam so, Kamara. Yes, yeah, Sam Kamara as well. So there's a couple of guys in, in that position that are – it's one that I don't think a lot of us thought there was going to be a huge, I guess, competition. But we're actually seeing it where there's a lot of guys that are making plays. And I won't be surprised to see one or two of the guys actually come back onto the practice squad from that position. But yeah. is there any guys that particularly kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I think as Scott had mentioned in the last one, the Sam Kamara was one I was keeping an eye on near the end of the game. And I know, look, it's it's dirt time at the end, but I just thought his pace looked really, really strong. He looked really quick and he really pressured that QB at the very end. And again, I know it's dirt time, but that was the one that stood out. Ogletree, we've spoken about. Uh, Tong, we spoke about. Williams. I think if someone was given a, a, a man of the match to all over here, outside of Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert did everything I was hoping he would do. Um, and that was the one that kind of really kind of cemented what I think about our running back room. Um, and that's even before Tariq even gets involved in the conversation. Uh, I think it was interesting you said at the start about Montgomery's one carry. I then literally spent most of the game looking at the sideline to make sure he was still there and that he wasn't down the tunnel because no one are lucky to done an ACL or something like that. But no, he was still there. I did I did see him kind of there. So so I think it's it's really important that we don't just depend on on just Montgomery this year. And having like to Williams, Herbert, having those extra people that way is really important if our all line gives us that space. Um, but they were the ones that kind of really stood out to me straight away. And there wasn't really anything else. I know, I know I saw somebody on the chat where they said Pearson Null did well today. 
nah, I think you made a comment, Karen, about about the, not for me anyway. I think you made a comment about that they're taking reps off somebody else. I would tend to agree. Um, I would almost put in Woods into that conversation as well. Uh, Iggy as well as a conversation. I think we're getting soon to a point where what's the point of having them? And they're just putting up numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're getting to a point. I think it's in a couple of days where the rosters do trim down. I know last year and the year before it used it went from pretty much ninety to fifty three, but I think it goes from ninety into the eighties. I think five or six guys get cut over the next kind of week or so. So I think it's that'll be interesting to see who goes. Obviously, the Bears have to cut someone now because they've brought in and um, the Jason Peters. So somebody else is going to get cut. Um. That's a, an interesting one. Before we kind of kind of move on with this, I just want to give everybody a little bit of an update in terms of uh, one of our division rivals in terms of the Vikings. They are losing 26 points to three um, to the Denver Broncos. So that's also very, very good news. Seeing Kirk Cousins throw a pick six to Patrick Sertain Jr., who was the pick for the Denver Broncos, who a lot of people were saying, oh, how did they not go for Justin Fields? Well, I would just like to thank the Denver Broncos for not going for Justin Fields, and well done to Patrick Sertain for picking off Kirk Cousins. It's not that hard. A lot of Bears players do it all the time, but still, it's good. Yeah, exactly, said that, and I thought it was 85 or 83, so there's five more guys that are going to get cut, so that's, we will talk about that in this show as well, based on kind of what we've seen or guys that haven't been available, things like that as well. In terms of what Tay Tenga says in terms of Pierce and Null, I'm not a fan of Ryan Null whatsoever. He makes one or two good runs in preseason every single year, but personally, I think it's kind of a waste of a roster spot for a guy that you want somebody else that you know can actually make plays in the regular season. We know what Ryan Null is this time. Artavis Pierce, I liked his his play where he kept running and kept moving and he was kind of going in and out of the different offensive linemen and then broke away and showed that speed. It's always good. He may be a guy that if there's one running back that comes back on the practice squad, I think Artavis Pierce is one. I know there's CJ Marable, but I didn't see a lot from him today. He got a few plays, but didn't really do too much. But the running back room, I'm, I'm impressed with because you look at it and you have, obviously, David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery is just one of those that is, even though he, he went off after the first play, I, I agree with you, Anthony, the fact that he was on the sideline means that I think they're just like, okay, we got away with one here. He's not actually badly injured, and we're just going to kind of let him go and let him stay at the side. And, yeah, this is the perfect one. This is the one. So, Nal is the Tyler Bray of running backs, 100%. So, Elgin, I can't stand seeing Ryan Nal. I don't know what it is. Like it could, be, it could be me just like a lot of the time when I see kind of these bigger white running backs, I'm like, this dude can't be fast. Like that, like that's that's the thing. I think like it's so wrong of me, but this is where a lot of people were saying it before. They saw Ryan Null more as a fullback than a running back, and I know a lot of people wanted to kind of question that when he first came out. But we're kind of seeing it where he is. He's that bigger body guy. Doesn't re- he's fine. He's not going to make a lot of plays. It's the reason why when Artavis Pierce came in last year that he actually got more plays. And I think it was the Jacksonville game when he scored maybe. Um, but it is it is kind of some of the, it is very interesting to kind of talk about. Um, Tony, I want to talk to you now about the same thing. So some of the risers um, that kind of came in, whether it's any guys on the offense or defense, um, and then we will take some of the questions that are in the chat because there is one or two that I want to go through that you guys have asked. So 
Tony, is there any players that you think have, I guess, risen by just looking at this game today? I think most of the the kind of guys have, have been mentioned already, but what I would say is just something Anthony touched on there in terms of the inside linebacker spot. Um, I think there's, you know, you guys like, uh, obviously, Ogletree uh, coming through, and Caleb Johnson as well had, had a couple of good uh, tackles today for a loss. Um, it's really good. Usually, I think the Bears usually keep four inside linebackers, um, and they've currently got, I think, uh, I don't know, eight or something like that. Yeah. So you're looking, obviously, Trevathan and Smith are going to be there. Probably Ogletree is going to be your third one. And then there's a question is who's going to be number four. So for me, Iggy is, you know, it's the, there's nothing happening there at all. Josh Woods, don't know. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions over these guys. Christian Jones might be the, maybe the one. I, I, I was a kind of big fan of him and, and hopefully that he would make the, the roster. I think there's a Calitro yeah, as well. I don't really know much about him. Um, but yeah, I think there's um, there's a bit of a movement in that inside linebacker spot at the minute. And I think there's a lot of guys there that have been just kind of hanging about for a while now who are really probably not going to crack this team anytime soon. I think probably Iggy especially is only really there for the the special team plays. Um, So I think, you know, guys guys like Caleb Johnson, Ogletree were really impressive today. I think the defence in general, the front seven were really impressive, regardless of whether it was the firsts or the seconds or even the thirds that were in. And I think that's a lot to do with maybe the system that's been set up as well. Um, slightly different approach to to what we had uh, last year um, with Chuck Pagano. Um, I think, you know, we mentioned it earlier in the show, we're going back to kind of Sean Desai, you know, is more along the kind of Vic Fangio route of, uh, of of the way schemes up plays, um, so I think that's the the system, uh, the X's and O's as well as the Jimmys and Joes are going to be um, important um, this year with the defense. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of guys kind of played really. Angelo Blacks, and I thought he was pretty good. Um, you know, a lot of um, kind of good guys. What I want to look for in the next game and then the game after that is is this slot corner position and, and see if someone can kind of come out on top. In there, as we talked about earlier on, Duke Shelley had a good PBU um, in the second half, I think. Uh, Thomas Graham, we didn't really see much from him. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. And I'm hoping, you know, that that's the kind of big, big talking point in terms of positions that we're, that we're talking about on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going towards kind of what you're mentioning there on that kind of slot corner position, one of the questions that comes in from Seth Elgin 25 and so what do you think of the DB so that's an it's an interesting one because it's hard I think Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor didn't play too much don't think they made many mistakes um but it's it's a tough one because yeah like we said Duke Shelley is probably ahead right now in that kind of nickel corner but i don't think it's by a lot um and it's going to take these next couple of weeks in training camp and also in these kind of preseason games to see kind of what happens there one other guy that i wanted to mention that nobody else did because he actually forced the fumble today was marquee christian i think he had a he had a good game today as well he's he's always been one of those guys that likes to be around the ball some of the guys that you use have all mentioned in terms of possible guys that may end up getting cut so obviously we're talking about Iggy 
Um, he's a tough one. He's made a, a few plays, but I just don't see the instincts of an inside linebacker in him. I know he plays special teams, so that could be a way that he sticks. That's the same with Josh Woods. Both those guys play special teams. But at the end of the day, there's no way that Alec Ogletree doesn't make this team. Um, I think that Christian Jones will make this team as well. And then, obviously, you have Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. And I think they're probably your inside linebackers going into the season. And to be honest, it's a pretty good group. It's one thing that the Bears have been able to do. Other than last year, where I think they left themselves a little bit thin because they lost, I think they lost, I know Kevin Pierre-Lewis, went and there was Nick Kwiatkowski left and there was another backup inside linebacker that left. And it's very hard to kind of rebuild that in one year, but they've done it pretty quick to get the backups in again. So um, I think they've done a good job there. Obviously we've seen the defensive line is very, very strong, very good here from Matt. So I'm very optimistic on the side defense regressed under Pagano. I completely agree. I think it's not so much that Pagano did things wrong. I think it's just his style didn't fit the players that we have on defense. He's not a very aggressive defensive coordinator, and we should have known that from what happened at the Colts. Um, people kept going back to his one season for the Ravens, and they're like, oh, he blitzed more than Vic Fangio did. But at the end of the day, he just didn't put these guys in the position to make plays. And I saw more out of the defense today in terms of them being more active and being more aggressive than I did in those two years under Vic or under um, Chuck Pagano. And it's it's just an important one here that we see. Now, going ahead towards this kind of 85 player where you have to cut down five guys, there's a couple that have been in the comments. And the most common kind of comment that has come in is this one. Wims has to go. It's one that needs to happen. It's It's getting to the point of where he's become a liability. And you saw it with... The thing that the Bears have to get away from, that they did too much last year, is in any close game that they were in, and they had chances to score, the same thing would happen, dumb penalties. And what Wims did today, again, there was I saw some people saying that, well, the clock was at zero and all that sort of stuff. And like, people need to remember the actual play clock and what you see on your TV screen is actually different, that there is like one or two seconds different normally. And that's why we always see like Aaron Rodgers always throws the ball at zero and it seems like another second or two goes off. It's because the clock is different. It's it's just it's very hard for that to sync up with exactly what way it's doing it. But I just feel like he makes he makes two mistakes or too many mistakes and it's a problem. People are saying obviously one of the, one of the guys in the chat saying we're not going to be cutting Jimmy Graham yet. Def, definitely not. I don't think that's going to be happening. He's that kind of mentor for Cole Komet. And I think it's the last year that Jimmy Graham is going to be here until you see Cole Komet take over. And that's what I would hope would happen. And um, it's definitely important. Um, so I'm going to put one of the other topics that I wanted to get to um, will be some of the disappointing performers um, for today that maybe we expected a little bit about. I'll bring I'll bring up one and then I'll pass it around to you guys. Uh, first one for me was obviously John Bayer Johnson because I think we were told quite a lot about him and Justin Fields and like what their connection was like and we didn't see anything. Um, all I saw John Bayer Johnson do was drop a punt um, and just got out of the end zone, so where we could start on the one or two yard line. Um, 
other than that, there's like you, you can say guys on offense, but he is my main one that I was hoping to see more out of and didn't really see a lot. Uh, Anthony, I'll come next to you. Is there anybody that you were hoping to see more of or you were disappointed by their performance? Um, I think in the, in the you hit Wims, I think Wims is the first one. Um, I think I think Alex Bars might have been injured, I think he might have been just thrown out there to just get there. But I just think Bars did a silly penalty, and I just think. I, I don't know about Alex Barras. I'm a bit kind of thrown on him. I'm not 100% on board on what he, what he can offer. Um, obviously, seeing Nick going out in the fourth quarter, disappointing just to see him on the field. Like, I would have been all for putting a running back in there as quarterback for a laugh. Um, I really would. I I, I, I think it, it was actually disappointing. It not killed the game, but it killed the enthusiasm around the game, as, as the lads have said, to be fair. Um, but I think a lot of guys really tried, and I think that was important to be known. Guys who are probably not going to play for the Chicago Bears again, but you could see they really wanted it um, and really tried hard. And I think that's got to be given a credit to credit to them as professionals as well. Uh, overall, look, I think it was first round, first first game of the season. The first half would be a lot of the wide receivers didn't do much, but we've spoken about that already. I don't think there's anyone new that we've spoken about that would stand out and go, "Yeah, Jesus, that's a that's a warning one." Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, yourself, was there anybody that disappointed you or maybe you thought that you were going to see a little bit more out of and just was quite quiet for today? Um, well, just Anthony, Anthony mentioned the wide receivers there. It's not that I was overly, I, I thought he was terrible, but I mean, Royley Ridley's been around here for a while now and I just want him to do something to separate himself, to say, you know, you've had me here for is it three seasons. You know, I was a fourth round pick. I, I want him to do something that says he wants to be here, but it just, I mean, it feels like he, he's coasting. I'm not, I don't see the point in him anymore. As with Williams, what, what's he really bringing to the team at this stage? It's just taking up a roster spot. So I'd like to see more from him. And it's disappointing he just hasn't stepped up in all this time he's been here. Yeah, I completely agree with you, actually, on Riley Ridley. I completely forgot. I saw him out there a couple of times, but he didn't make any plays. So no. he, I, he's I remember one... making one catch, <laughs> decent catch, but, I mean, yeah. he just doesn't do enough. And I don't – after three years, I mean, last year and the year before, I wondered if he even existed or if he was some sort of myth, like the, the abominable snowman or something, because I heard the yeah. name, but I never saw the player. And now, yeah. I mean, I just, I just want him to do something, and I don't see the point in him anymore. Why is he here, like – yeah, that may have been one of the poorer, I guess, day three picks that Pace has done recently. Because as a wide receiver, you need to be doing something. And he just doesn't offer a lot. I think at the end of the day... Sorry, sorry, I don't even think he contributes on special teams. I mean, No, he doesn't. Boy, if you have a receiver that low down on the depth chart you think, well, maybe he's contributing on special teams and that's what's keeping him in here. But he's that's kind of what Williams has been doing. So you can you can see a bit of the logic there, even though he should be gone. But Ridley just doesn't give anything. I feel like the only reason he's still on this team is because he's a draft pick. That's it. Probably. If, he, if he wasn't that's a draft man. pick, I, I can't see him still on this team. I think a lot of people probably overhyped him a little bit um, because of his name. People were like, oh, Calvin Ridley's brother if he could do a little bit of what kind of Calvin was able to do coming into the Atlanta Falcons, then you have something there in the fourth round, even if it's not to the exact same extent. But Riley just hasn't been able to make plays. And it's tough on him because, look, he needs 
he needs the opportunity, but the problem is unless you take those chances, you're never going to really get on the field. And that's the one thing that he doesn't do. Other guys have taken their chances in the past and they've been able to kind of move forward. One guy I, I keep, I would mention that did that perfectly for the Bears kind of almost 10 years ago now is probably Cam Meredith, where we didn't expect much from him. He was a quarterback coming in, shifted to wide receiver, got a few chances in preseason, and he took those chances. But Ryan Ridley hasn't done that. I completely agree with Alan in the comments where I feel like he could be one of those first wide receivers not to make it. He's probably not going to be one of the first because he was playing early in the second quarter so he's obviously a little bit further up but again you were missing Allen Robinson and Marcus Goodwin so like when we saw these guys come in is not really it's not too realistic because there's still two guys that were that were missing uh Tony yourself is there anybody that you found a little bit disappointing today or maybe someone you wanted to see a little bit more that you didn't get to see I think the guys have covered the majority of them but what when I was going through the, when I was watching the game, I kind of making notes of kind of areas that I was disappointed in. And obviously, the wide receivers um, were were one of the the, the top uh, for me in terms of, you know, just not getting the separation, not making the big plays, not cat. You know, there's there a big uh, kind of third down throw from uh, Fields um, towards the end of the first half. I think it was, um, you know, if it's a guy, if it's Alan Robinson on the end of that, it's probably going to get caught. Um, you know, so I think I think a lot of the wide receivers probably didn't really step up as much as they could have done today, taking advantage of the opportunity they had. Um, I thought special teams was, you know, in terms of you know field goals and all that kind of stuff, fine. Um, but in terms of your kick returns, punt returns, um, and, uh, and 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 that kind of thing, I just thought it was just a bit disorganized. People weren't 100% sure of what they were doing. Um, I know we kind of talked about, you know, the guys were catching the ball deep in the end zone and then kind of running out and then ended up maybe only getting to the 15-yard line or whatever. And I know, obviously, in preseason, they want to try and evaluate their ability to return, and that might be the only couple of chances they actually get to do it. Um, so I'm not as bothered about that, but I just think the, the coverage um, and, and the way that the special team was set up was needs a bit of work. Um, and finally, um, was the, the kind of right side of the O line. Um, again, you know, Anthony mentioned uh, bars, um, and you know, there's that right guard, right tackle spot. Um, I thought that was probably the weakest point of the, of the line. But then again, we we did expect that to be the weakest point of the line, considering who we've got in there. Um, so you know, it's disappointing. Um, but I'm hoping, obviously, once we you know we get a Fetty back, um, you know, we've obviously brought Jason Peters into play in the, the left-hand side. Maybe that kind of frees up Wilkinson to play on the right-hand side where he's probably more comfortable um, and that might help things moving forward. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's there are individual disappointments. Um, but for me, it's, um, you know, the, the, the kind of overall areas that, that need a bit of work. Um, and hopefully moving into next week, we, we see improvements there. They'll make evaluations over the next coming days. And uh, and we we see a we see a, a different uh, setup in those areas. Can I, yeah. come in on that, can I come in on that quickly, Karen? Sorry, my apologies. Yeah. Is do you know what I thought was interesting as I was watching the game? Larry Borum didn't play, and I'd say he's gone up in the depth chart by not actually playing, right? Because I was, watching, I was watching that game and I was like, God, I'd love to see Larry Borum on the field now because he can't be much worse than those two lads. 
and and it and it it's it's mad what a, what a one preseason game is doing and what people have been saying in 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 camp. But yeah, I think Larry Boron has actually pushed himself up the depth chart by being concussed. Yeah, like I I, I think Go Larry Boron was was high anyway. Um, it's look, it's a it's a tough one. This offensive line, and look, this is kind of this one will kind of move good into kind of the last topic that I want to talk about. And the last topic that I want to talk about in the show is kind of projecting forward to this week and what we want to see in training camp, what we want to see against the Bills. Um, like I said, we'll talk a little bit about guys that we want to get cut this this week. I think it I think it's the the deadline for um the roster cuts should be um this week. I believe they said that on the um I think that they said it um, on the show or on the broadcast today. Um, but look, it's it's definitely going to be soon. So obviously we have wins. Um, that's definitely going to be one. But what I want to kind of get onto is what we want to see going forward over this week because there's a couple of things that we'll mention from the start and actually one of the commenters has basically taken my, main, my first point. Um, I want to see Justin Fields get some first-team reps. So I don't care how many. I just want to see him be able to play a little bit with the first team because at some point in time, you've got to give this kid a chance to compete. You can't just say Andy Dalton is the complete starter and there's no way in hell that Justin Fields is going to get to play. When you see Justin Fields doing really well, yeah, t- thanks, um, Seth Allen, 25, didn't get a chance to kind of look it up. Um August 17th goes from 90 to 85. So again, this week coming, so in three days' time. So really important decisions that have to be made. Difficult to know where they're going to come. It's probably going to be some guys that didn't really get to play today um, because there's so many guys on the roster. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be um, it's definitely going to be an interesting one kind of moving forward. Um, but look it's definitely it's one of those things that i think with the bears we just need to see progression from week to week we have only three preseason games next week against the bills is probably the important one because like i said when you play against the titans i doubt you're gonna have any of those starters kind of coming in so with that anthony i'll start with yourself um what do you want to see over the next week or what do you want to hear at least during training camp and then heading into the Bills game next week? Uh, first and foremost, I want to find out honest answer on what Tevin Jenkins' status is. I think that's, if, if I get that information next week as a starter point, yeah. um, that would be an, an honest one because, as you rightly said, Nagy again seems to do a bit of a Nagy where he, there's nothing wrong with him, there's always wrong with him, we don't know. We loves So I'd like to get that Tevin Jenkins thing sorted. I'd also like to find out about, about Daniels as well. Another one I'd like to hear exactly what the story is or with a Fetty. So that's the first thing on the injury side of things. But I think you need to hit the nail on the head. It's with Justin Fields getting reps with Montgomery and even, even having a scenario with Montgomery at running back, even having the full O-line, the first teams there, having one of Mooney or Robinson to throw the ball to, having um, people like that involved, and then seeing Andy Dalton come on after that. Because I think the fear I have, which is what you say, Karen, is that Andy Dalton might get stuffed by the Bills first team and then um, Justin Fields comes on against the Bills 
mixture of second and thirds and he lights it up. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. He should start week one. I'm not saying that he shouldn't, but I'd like him to see and prove it in week one. Now, if he turns around and says next week, I'm ready to go and he takes the Bills offense apart, the first offense, or defense, sorry, as they're doing at the moment, as he did today, then I would be getting on that train and screaming choo-choo. But I just would like to see that first. The other thing I would like to see is our, our offense having an identity. I know it's ironic saying that as to what we actually want to do. I know it's vanilla. I know it's, it's preseason, but what are we? Are we going to try and run the ball more? Are we going to try and look for certain schemes? It just seemed to be very Matt Nagy-esque. Um, and I, it was almost like Justin Fields took over himself in the third quarter. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the impression I want. I want to see a little bit more what the defense is showing us on the offensive side of the ball in the second game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely one of those. Just kind of looking through some of the timelines on on Twitter, what I find the funniest is that you're seeing a lot of you're seeing a lot of Jets fans, Lions fans, Vikings, Packers, Patriots fans, all being or and Broncos fans actually all being very very skeptical of Justin Fields today. They're all very mad and on the timelines, and it just shows. That's generally what happens when teams see that there's a good quarterback in one of the when it's a story against them. Obviously, Broncos for not taking them. Same thing for Jets and things like that. The Jet look, I feel so like I've said before, I feel so bad for Zach Wilson if he does not have a good game tonight. Because if that's the case, the amount of pressure that's gonna be on because everyone is talking about Justin Fields. He's a top five trending topic on on Twitter right now, and it, it's definitely one. Look, I agree with you, Anthony, in terms of talking about Jenkins um, because there's a couple of things here now there's a couple of comments and I'll bring you in on this one now because I think offensive line is one of the bigger points uh, hopefully Larry Borum will be back this week I would be surprised if he's not because you I, I think based on when he kind of got the concussion you'd be looking at probably early to midweek that when he should be able to officially be allowed to practice again Um. So there's a couple of comments here first from Matt. I'm saying I'm starting to worry this Jenkins thing is heading for Chris Williams territory. Where I will say there is need to relax. It's we're still on the first preseason game. If Kevin Jenkins isn't playing four, five, six games into the regular season, okay, you can probably say that. You have Alan Watson here saying, I believe Jenkins will eventually end up a guard. I disagree. Um he's never played guard. He plays, he's a tackle. Like realistically. Kevin Jenkins is a right tackle um, that we were hoping could transition to the left side. But again, it depends. If you, that's why you bring in players to be able to battle. It's why you play Borum as well on the left side. See, can he do it? And then at the end of the day, you pick whoever's best in the positions for the offensive line. Because we say this now about guys that we want to see. But honestly, once the games go on, there's not many people looking at the offensive line as as individuals. You're looking at it as a unit and you're hoping they work together. So really, as long as they can keep Justin Fields and Andy Dalton upright and give them enough time to kind of make plays, that's all we that's all we really want. In terms of the names, it's not really that important. I completely agree with one of the comments here. So I think a lot of people have overreacted um recently. It's it's completely fair to be concerned. Definitely fair. I just think that saying that it's like a Kevin White, a Chris Williams, or this is like a terrible situation for the Bears that they're in on the offensive line. We need to remember that 
there's going to be some of these guys that will come back for week one. I think that James Daniels will be back for week one. It's probably touch and go for Jermaine Fetty. It's probably touch and go for Tevin Jenkins. But Larry Borum will, I think, will be back this week. Obviously, Wilkinson's back already. So it's it's definitely one to be looking at. Again, where Alan, you mentioned that Jenkins is not a left tackle. It's hard to know because the one thing you see from him, he's a, he's a, he is an athlete. Look, he has an injury right now, which is going to affect him. But he is an athletic dude. He can play both sides. Personally, I would prefer to see him like either play right or right tackle, probably because that's where I thought he would play. But if the Bears see him at a le- left tackle, this is where I'm going to say, I've said it before. If you think that he's a left tackle long term, you play him at left tackle now, because you don't want to have to keep switching these guys around. We have had to bitch and moan for three or four seasons that we keep moving Cody Whitehair. We keep moving James Daniels. We keep moving Kyle Long. When you pick a guy high in the draft, put him in the position you want to play him long-term. If he struggles, who cares? Let him go through those knocks and bruises, and he'll get over the other side. You just have to look at what happened last year. What what was it again? The Tampa Bay left tackle and Tristan Wirfs got absolutely destroyed by Khalil Mack with one hand. He played excellent football after that. These guys learn. They make mistakes as rookies. That's what I keep trying to say. Justin Fields, if he played week one or if he plays week six or week 10, he's going to throw interceptions. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make dumb plays. But it's all about learning from that. And that's what that's what's going to happen. Whether you play Larry Borum or Tevin Jenkins, they're going to give up sacks. They're going to give up pressures. But it's about them learning from that. So I don't want to pigeonhole these guys yet until we actually get to see them in regular season games. And when I say that in terms of games, not just like one series or one game, you want to see them over a long period of time. And look, rant over on that, but it's one that's been kind of annoying me over the last period of time that I think people are so transfixed on. This guy played this position in college, and this is the only position that they can play. How many guys have we seen that played a position in college and then gets brought into the NFL, switches positions, and is able to play it to a high level there in terms of the offensive line if a guy is good on both sides there's no reason why he can't play left tackle right tackle but the problem right now is he's not on the field so we can't actually judge and that's the problem that we have we have to rely on the coaching staff that saw him during mini camp that saw him during otas and at the end of the day he has a back injury back injuries are tough because he hasn't broken anything he hasn't damaged like anything severely it's just a very it's an injury that honestly the only thing that you can do is rest and then you have to test it out to see how it's going to react when you put pressure on it and if it reacts negatively you have to rest some more and that's just the unfortunate situation this isn't a kevin white situation where it's a broken bone in his leg where you can't come back from where you have surgery, you come back and you break something else. It's not that situation. It's one of these that you have to be able to manage it. And unfortunately, until he's a hundred percent, you're not going to see the best out of Tevin Jenkins. Anthony, you, you look like you want to say something there. Yeah. Cause it's, you're going to, you had a rant there and I'm definitely going to raffle up. I am sick and tired of Bears fans comparing one player to another. Can we, for the love of God, stop doing that. Tevin Jenkins is Tevin Jenkins. He's not Kevin White. He's not players from way back in the day. 
everyone's got different scenarios as to what is going on. Tevin Jenkins is we're, we've got him for four years. We've got him in that length of time. Like whether he's going to be a bust or not, we don't know. It's 12, 13 practices, one preseason game he's missed. So I'm sick and hard of hearing like, oh, he must be out for the season or he's gone. We've signed Peters, therefore we'll never see him again. It's like, come on, like let's everyone just chill for a little bit and stop comparing him to other players from our past. Because by the way, that's our past. We're now going full forward looking that way. Peters is a good signing, but it sounds of it today, that sounds a very good signing as a stopgap for maybe even five to six games, which means that Jenkins hasn't got to rush back. Because the last thing we do is get someone with a back injury and go, oh my God, oh my God, we need him back for week two, week three. Get out in the field quickly. We can now, with signing of Peters, we can now go, okay, week four, week five, week six. See you then. And that's what we need to start looking at. So that's a double reason why it is just stop comparing them to other comparing people to other to other players. I, I I completely agree. In terms of in terms of that, is like we need to stop doing that because every single player that comes through is different. It's like actually exactly what um Chubb said, because we had this conversation, Tony and all yesterday. Um, in terms of when people were saying all Ohio State quarterbacks can't do this, like at the end of the day, you need to look at the individual and you need to analyze their performance. At the end of the, the other thing that people need to remember is his injury is not really that severe to the point of where they put him on the pup list. Like guys with serious injuries go on the pup list. The problem is his injury is a maintenance I- injury. And until he gets it f- sorted out and fixed, he's just he's not gonna practice because they're not gonna weigh they're not gonna waste it if it means him putting too much pressure now means he can't play in the regular season. What they're going to do here is they're going to try and manage it as best they can. If it's not going to get better, what they're going to do is they're probably just going to go through it and put him in some games during the season, see how he gets on. Um, Yeah, Matt has a question for you, Anthony. So could you compare Jenkins to Peters? Yeah, look, it's it's look depth on the O-line is is what we need right now. We're missing a lot of guys. There's going to be more. Um, this is one that, to a certain extent, I agree with. But this year, I don't think you can criticize Ryan Pace. He spent a high draft pick on the left tackle. Then the next draft pick at, in the fifth round, he went for another tackle. He then used a lot of his signing bonus in terms of those undrafted guys on offensive linemen where there was 15 or 16 offensive linemen coming in they spent a good bit of money on Jermaine Fetty. he tried to get one of the top left tackles in free agency like it you can't just say that he hasn't tried to do it yes over a certain amount of time they focused on defense they focused on trying to build around Mitch Trubisky and this goes to the point where a lot of Bears fans don't agree but they stayed way too long with Charles Leno Jr at the end of the day, they gave him a contract extension when really they should have booted him out the door and brought somebody else in. But they didn't do that. And the fact is, once they signed him, you weren't getting another left tackle in. In terms of saying that he has ignored the offensive line issues, I just want to bring up a couple of things to kind of counteract that point. Number one, we spent a second-round pick on Cody Whitehair. We also spent a second-round pick on James Daniels. Like, Spent a second round pick on Tevin Jenkins. They're three high draft picks over the past five or six years on the offensive line. The problem is we had so many holes, you can't just constantly spend it on the same position in first rounds, things like that. Like I get 
Trubisky was a bad pick, Kevin White was a bad pick, but in recent years, we haven't had first-round picks because we have Khalil Mack. And then in some of those years, we were we went for um, offensive linemen in the draft. And I don't think any GM can really plan for losing three or four offensive tackles in terms of the first couple of weeks of training camp. It's very, very tough. Um, this is a great point, actually, and I want to bring this to you, Tony. Um, Don Edwards says, um, Jason Peters only makes Tevin Jenkins better. He will learn from a seasoned all-pro veteran. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. The thing is, end of the day, right, Tevin Jenkins is a, is a rookie, right? There's all this expectation being put on him, right? If he has to sit, if he's injured, he's injured, right? The guy needs to rehab. He needs to get better. That's the most important thing for his long-term future is to get better. If we got we got Jason Peters coming in, uh, and we've in, and as I said earlier on, Elijah Wilkinson, arguably those two are a better option than Charles Leno. So right away, we're upgraded at left tackle. Anyway, um, may not be much, but as a slight upgrade, and as you say, it, it allows that time to uh, for for Jenkins to, to to get better and to and to to make progress. That you know, as you say, back issues are so important. You don't want to rush those things. You don't want to have a long-term issue. Um, so, yeah, Tevin Jenkins is going to be able to learn from a guy who's pushing 40, but obviously looks after himself, still able to do the job, has had tremendous success um, over the years. Um, you know, and, and there's 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 things, there's intangible things um, that, that you can learn from from vets like that. Um, and really, if you look at the old the O-line or that whole room that we've got in the Bears, I mean, it is a relatively young room. So, you know, bringing that old head in isn't just going to benefit Jenkins. It's going to benefit everybody in, in the in the room. You know, it's almost like a like a, like a, an O-line coach that you've got in there. Um, so, you know, being uh, injured is not the end of the world. You know, there's, there's a lot of pressure being put on this guy just now. Let's take advantage of the fact that we do have other options at left tackle. Fair enough, they're not the best options in the world. But it's what we've got with the moment. And arguably, as I say, it's a slight upgrade on what we had last year. Charles Leno, Charles Leno and Bobby Massey, we chained ourselves to those guys by giving them those contracts. And there and there was just no way to get out of them until, you know, the, the past year. So let's not make that same mistake again. Um let's bring in young guys, let's develop them, let's have bridges to them like Jason Peters and another folk, Elijah Wilkinson, Jermaine Fetty and one-year deals, that's the way that you build a successful O-line, or any room, really, um, in, in your team. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a huge influence having Jason Peters there, um, and hopefully Tevin Jenkins takes this time to learn, you know, the mental side of things, um, rehabs, gets back on the field, has a great future with the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Matt brings up this point, and I'm going to say this again. Leno's best trait was his availability. It's easy to be available when you don't block anybody. That's that's basically it. Like, at the end of the day, I think it's good. Um, I can't remember if it was yourself, Tony, or Noel, if it was you yesterday on the show when we mentioned about um, Elijah Wilkinson versus um, Charles Leno. Um, one of you guys mentioned that about all the pressures and stuff that one of them had versus... Um, 
versus Charles Leno. Yeah, there, there was a stat that came that came out on on Twitter. I think it was yourself, Tony, that you you mentioned it on the show yesterday, and it just goes to show that look, not the numbers weren't great for either one of them, but one guy is making ten million and one guy is making one million, and that's kind of what you want to do. Look, I, I I'm just not a big fan look exactly so good point never looked at it that way yeah i just i just find like and we saw it in the preseason when he was playing for when he was playing for washington he got lit up again it's just one of those that he's a soft offensive lineman he's steady that's that's it anthony was has spoken about it enough to where he's kind of mentioned about about this um but like it's just one of those that i think it's it's important um so, for example, I'll get the stat here is in 2020, Wilkinson gave up one sack and 18 pressures in 503 snaps. If you want to double that for the season, it's like obviously not the best approach, but still that's it. Um, he would have had 36 pressures, two sacks, and two penalties. Leno gave up 42 pressures, six sacks, and six penalties. Like we said, neither of those is good, but one of them makes 1 million and one of them makes 10 million. So, like, that's the biggest problem. I would rather have a guy that might get beat but is nasty that's going to try and help your quarterback more than Leno, who I see that gives up quite a little bit of time. When he loses that first step with his opposing guy that he's supposed to block, you see Leno kind of half-asses it. For today, you saw the even though it wasn't perfect protection, every single one of those guys is working hard to try and project, protect the quarterback. It's like, we did, as far as I remember, we didn't have a sack today, which was very, very good considering how close the Bears were from sacking a lot of the quarterbacks over and for Miami. So I think that's it's a really good point. Look, guys, make sure you get any of your questions in. We're going to be kind of going off in the next couple of minutes. Um, so make sure you get any of your questions in. Anybody that is not subscribed to the channel, make sure you do subscribe. Make sure you share. Make sure you like the video as well. That's really, really important to us. Um, so make sure you just do that and obviously you guys can kind of follow us on all of our social media platforms again they're all below in each one of our names and you'll be seeing our ugly mugs every week anyway so again just make sure that you kind of get involved in the channel again this is for everybody not just uh, not just for us but look I want to do uh, the last thing that I, I kind of want to talk about um, it kind of goes to everything that we're that we're expecting from this team now because this is the first time we've got to see the bears in what is it now six six seven months since they last played a playoff game what are our expectations or have they changed at all because there's a couple of things there that i think that for me i'm a little bit concerned about a couple of positions and i don't know if you guys agree first thing is i'm concerned about the depth at wide receiver, I am concerned about the nickel cornerback position, and really, I'm concerned about the depth at the corner, just the kind of wide cornerback positions as well, because I don't see enough there that you're going to say, okay, they can actually work there. Obviously, the offensive line as well is one that we need to see how that shakes out. But those are the main concerns that I have going forward. Um, I don't know about you guys, and it's kind of the last topic that i wanted to get to in terms of what do you think the main concerns are and what like i said what needs to happen to kind of maybe ease some of those concerns so anthony i'm going to come to you first what's your main concern 
going into next week after seeing what we did today in the game or through training camp? And what is a way for that to maybe be eased a little bit? Just before I go on to that, I think I'll flip it a little bit and go how positive it is now compared to the last time Chicago Bears got on the football field. Yeah. When when literally it was like, oh my God, do I really want to watch this team? I've no choice, but I, do I really want to watch this? I'm not enjoying this at all. Well, now I'm like, oh, can't wait. Today I woke up going, I can't wait to watch the Bears today. So that's really important for Bears fans to remember. This is a special time to be a Bears fan right now. Um, but on the worrying side of it, what, what could we be doing is, is and I, I mentioned a few times now, is the health of our players. And that comes down to strength and conditioning. That comes down to whether we're, we're getting the right impact on strength and conditioning. And I'm going to be going to keep banging the drum until we, until we find out more information as to these injuries that are happening. So my first thought when I saw David Montgomery go down, please don't be a, a muscle injury because I think I'll have an absolute spasm. Um, the the worrying positions, I think there's there's a worry, as you said, on cornerback. I'd like to see more of those guys being involved. But I think that the, the front seven helps them. I think Goldman coming back, hopefully next week against the Bills, I'll be interested to see what the first quarter, if we play all of our main guys against the Bills, what that happens. If Josh Allen is in the in the game, for argument's sake, he's probably not going to be, but if he was, what that would do um, for the corner position, whether that would give us a little bit more kind of help by doing that. Um, but I'm not as concerned as I was back in January because of Sean Desai and because of what I'm seeing that they're trying to do, that the, the effort is there. What can they do differently? I, I think it's, it's, it's almost bring up the intensity again. That's the next step I want to see. Can this defense go again another level up and go after the ball? Can they get more takeaways? Can they have more pressure on the quarterback? Can they get more sacks involved? Can the tackle count be better than what it was before? And that's the next step that I want to see progression before I go into the Bills game and see where it is. This team isn't Super Bowl ready. I think anyone that thinks it yeah. is, is 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 incorrect. So we need to build and we need to build properly. So if that means we need to look at our draft next year and we're going, okay, we need to look at our cornerback position, our defensive back, or that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. Um, because we've got a four to five year window on this. That's the next kind of conversation to have is where do we need to start filling in in preparation for a real big spend, either in free agency or in the draft next year. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, that's a really good point. Like at the end of the day, I've always said this year is about progression. The amount of wins don't really matter to a certain extent. Like, well, obviously we, we want to win games. Um, but you look at this Bears team and you have to be realistic. And I know, I know Chubb's in the chat. We I saw you yesterday when you were talking about anybody can win the Super Bowl. But look, there's a reason why there's not a huge deviation on who wins from year to year there's a reason why the new england patriots won for so long the best quarterbacks in the league tend to win or tend to get to the super bowl it's no surprise that patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs have made it to the last couple of super bowls or made it close even prior to beating um the 49ers it comes down obviously to health it comes down to luck but then also it comes down to how strong your division is so Let's say if Aaron Rodgers has another very good season at Green Bay and they win that kind of 12 or 13 games, being realistic, I just don't see the Bears getting to that to that total. And if he wasn't there, then I'd be saying, okay, there's definitely a chance you get to the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. That's the one thing that we can say is if you can make it to the playoffs, like we saw with the New York Giants a couple of times, that if you can be that hot team coming into the playoffs, even if you are 
let's say eight and nine now, but it might even be you have to be nine and eight or kind of ten or seven just to barely get in. Um, you can go all the way, but on a realistic level, what you're looking for from this Bears team is progression. And you need to show kind of some of the guys that are coming out of contract that you kind of you kind of need to that they want to be here. Like A Rob, you kind of need to convince him that he wants to be here long term because looking at those wide receivers from from today, it would cause me a lot of concern if A Rob wasn't here next year. Um because you can't just do it with Darnell Mooney, but again, it's it's a it's an interesting one. Um, like, look, there's a couple of comments here from Chubbs. I want to bring this one up. At the end of the day, you're saying all you have to do is be hot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have Tom Brady, who's won what was it, six or seven Super Bowl rings now. Like at the end of the day, he knows how to win in playoff games. It's not so much that the Buccaneers were hot garbage during the season. They've had some pretty poor games, but towards the end of the season, they played really good football. And it's like I mentioned with the Giants. Eli Manning went on a tear and played really, really well. Um, yeah. So, uh, like, I again, these are the type of ones here. Riley Ridley. I think I, I'm assuming you mean Calvin Ridley um, in terms of free agents, and I believe that he's going to resign with Atlanta. Devontae Adams eventually probably signs with Green Bay as well. So you can't just assume now that guys are going to hit free agency. I'd say a lot of teams were assuming Allen Robinson might have hit free agency this year, but you put on the franchise tag. So that's not always the best way to do it. And look, if Calvin Ridley hit free agency, he would be my first choice. I'd be going straight after him because I it's something about it. I hate getting Green Bay players to come down to, to Chicago. It's just something I find it very difficult to root for guys like that. But I, I, would love it if someone like Calvin really could. But look, at the end of the day, I think all these guys, all the big guys, get your franchise tagged or they get a ton of money, which I don't know if the Bears are going to do that considering they still need to play to pay Roquan. They need to pay probably Bilal Nichols as well. And then they still have a little bit of other cap space that they'll be able to work with. But it's definitely going to be interesting coming into kind of the next year. Look, um, no kind of final thoughts from from yourself in terms of going forward into next week main i guess kind of things that you think that the team needs to work on for um the bills preseason game that starts next week and um, well you guys kind of mentioned i mean i want to see what happens to the, the defensive backs position you know what way that's going to shake out but i think anthony made a great point there earlier I'm so hyped about this front seven that we have with the guys up front there. I think that is going to be a massive bonus to the guys behind them. They're going to get so much pressure, I think, this year on the quarterbacks that that's going to make life a little bit easier. Um, but I still want to see how that shakes out. I'm still uncertain, you know, who's coming in for that nickel spot and, and what's happening back there. And the next one is the O-line. I think they have been so unlucky this year with the injuries. But I think it's so important to get a set guy, a set group in there who, who get used to working with each other, get used to the quarterback, because it is going to be Dalton starting, and he's obviously not as mobile. So I just think it's important to get those guys in and get them working together. Unfortunately, injury-wise, that's just going to make it difficult, but um, we'll see what happens now with Peters coming in. I mean, he's made some good points earlier on about how Peters 
is going to be a good stopgap because we don't want to be rushing Tevin Jenkins back. It's a back injury. You don't want to mess with that. You know, he's here for the next four years. You know, you don't need to be to be messing around with there. So yeah, for me, it's it's O line and the the cornerbacks. Basically, I want to see what way those those two positions shake out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tony, final word for for yourself. Is there anything that you want to see the Bears improve on from this week to next week? Yeah, firstly, I'd, I'd like to see some of the injuries come back. Um, I think, and we've spoke about this before, if it was the regular season, the likelihood is these guys wouldn't be on the injury list. They'd be, you know, they'd be ready to go. And I think the, the way that works out with the Bills being the kind of dress rehearsal uh, is that we need to look at this more like it is a kind of regular season game. If we want to see the dress rehearsal in terms of the starters all playing together, um, regardless of their you know injury status, then I think you maybe want to see them saying, well, you know, if can we push this guy to play? And I'm not talking about Jenkins here. I'm talking about guys that have got maybe other slight niggling injuries that, you know, they've been holding out and looking after them just now because there's no need for them to play. Um, maybe coming in and playing against the Bills just to see how it looks. Um, and then obviously having the week after to rest before actually starting the game. Uh, against the Rams. Um, also, I'd like to see Alan Robinson get a wee bit. I'd like to see Eddie Jackson get a wee bit as well. Um, I'd love to see Justin Fields playing more with the firsts, as we spoke about, but I think if Nagy is insisting on going with Dalton, then the likelihood is he's probably going to get the majority of the first-team snaps. Um, and that's just the way, it's, the way it is, you know, unless he has a, a sudden change of heart over the next uh, seven days um, and and yeah I think the DB situation as well is no saying more takeaways we got two today I think it was so you know let's build on that I think that's the identity that the size trying to build is this big takeaway machine um, you know having the bucket there is just you know, it's clear that that's what he's trying to do um, so yeah those are, those are the kind of main areas for me um, and we'll just kind of We'll see how it goes yeah absolutely look um it's been a great show today just kind of getting to react to what we got to see during the game um it's one of the one of the final comments here so dalton here those footsteps feels is coming absolutely it's it's definitely true but look we have a busy week um coming guys so make sure that you do check us out so just to let you guys know on wednesday we will have a show at think it's 7 central 7 p.m central time um and that will be with lester wilfong jr and we also have um brenda suger who'll be on for that show as well so again we'll kind of we'll dissect a little bit what went on and kind of have a little look forward um on thursday so instead of instead of on the friday we will have one of the Bills reporters, Sal Capaccio, on, which is, again, at 7 Central time. And then after the Bills game next Saturday, we will have one of these again, where, again, we'll have a couple of different people on. You'll get some of our other co-hosts that are normally um, on the show, too, kind of mixing in and out of those shows. Again, make sure you guys kind of join us. Make sure you share the podcast as well. Like I said, share it on Twitter, share it on all your social media um so then more people kind of get to see the show and it just gives us kind of more more content to be able to get to you guys and it's we do really appreciate all the support that we've had over the last couple months because it's been it's been really really cool just being able to talk with the team get your guys comments in be able to discuss it um 
so yeah, all of this will be available on all your kind of audio forms as well. So it will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those. Um, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like the video before you before you go. Um, until next week or until Wednesday, happy Justin Fields Day. It's been it's been excellent to be able to see our quarterback in action finally. But until Wednesday, when we see you guys at seven PM Central Time, bear down. Fair darn.